Good afternoon, everybody. It is your favourite host from the Fast Travel Lounge. How are we all going today? I am joined today by Seth. Say hello, Nicola. Yeah, hello. And in a special airdrop, we also have another guest, never before seen on the Fast Travel Lounge. Do uh, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Steve's sense of humour. <laughs> you haven't seen me for the past 90 plus episodes, but I do exist. I'm very lonely. I don't get fed. Once again, I'm trying to do a funny and I always get one-upped. Just, just take you about the back. condition of the room you're in? <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the womb. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying right now. I thought I was going to do uh, something really funny. No, no. You, you, you know what? You know what? I'll indulge you, Steve. How, no, how no, you no. Me- it was just. It was just. I just wanted that first bit, the surprise. Then you'd be like, "Wait a minute, we agreed that I'd host again." But no. Oh, yeah, I mean, okay. he is. He's already that, in the chair. I mean, that did take me by surprise. I was about ready to just punch you over the internet for for taking away my my hope. Sorry. Welcome back to the Fast Travel Lounge. You listen to episode. Uh, what are we at? Ninety ninety four. I don't. Uh, no, I think no, that no, was the no, last. No. You um. You 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 missed a couple there. Hang on. What? What do you? Yeah. Through? So we. we we well, know we actually count the episodes where you're not on as canon episodes, so it's really only episode six or seven. <laughs> Man, we've been doing a lot of beach episodes, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry, Nothing but, but we, we weren't putting this uh, podcast on pause just because you decided to leave and have a good time without us. I, I, I failed to see the connection. That absolutely seems like the right call. <laughs> I, I unequivocally see this as a win for me. Uh, okay, right. Uh, what episode are we up to then? This would be good old number 97. 97? What the? F- uh, wrong. 98. Man, you don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I was also, why was, off guard. Why was 98 scared of 97? <laughs> I, I genuinely have no idea. Because <laughs> 98, 99, I don't know. Um, I'm a bit excited because you're back. At, I'll be quite honest with you there. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, that's absolutely a lie. I would much prefer to continue being on holiday, but I, we, we'll make two, we'll make two uh, with, with what we have. Uh, I'm Patrick, as always, I'm joined by, by Seth and Steve. I know that, that Steve already did the introductions, but it just, it feels wrong to come back and not just go through the motions, you know? So, uh, Japan, Japan quickfire. Uh, let me, let me start, try and preempt as many of these questions Onichiwa. as I can. Onichiwa. Yep. That, that is one of the Japanese words. Yep. You're on your way. How uh, many Japanese Bye. words did you learn? Uh, a, a few actually. Uh, I, I learned uh, that uh, I'm I'm gaijin, which which I'm told is like uh, a very cool person in Japan. On a very, uh, very uh, tall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, ge- genuinely, I would not want to be any taller traveling through Japan. Uh, the six to two is like the absolute limit. Part of my skull is embedded in in several like parts of ceilings from just not needing to like I I don't need to make a conscious effort to like walk around and duck in New Zealand, but Man, did I learn quickly in Japan that that's not the case. Oh, uh, even even some of the like subway stations, they just have the ceiling like an inch above my head. Which, to be fair, I can walk un- unaided and it, like I don't need to duck. But just to have the ceiling that close just freaks me out. But Japan, Japan, quickfire. Uh, let's see. I shoot. I had like a big list of things I was going to just rattle off. I did a bunch of touristy things. I did not do Mario Kart on the streets. I did not. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm like one centimeter too tall. <laughs> ah, choking for we win. We always yeah, win. yeah, you would. So when um, Stephen and I go, we can go Mario Karting in the streets. 
You absolutely can. can go Mario Karting. Although, actually, I never saw anyone Mario Karting in the streets either. So um, I think they've actually made that recently illegal. Like, it's uh, it wasn't the most safest thing or something. Or Nintendo <laughs> well, probably not, copyright. because I, I yeah, <laughs> Nintendo shut it down. You needed to get a, uh, a license from Panda Global to host your own uh, on-the-streets Mario Kart tournament. Nintendo um, got to Pinkerton's over. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. I did Shibuya Crossing. I, I booped the nose of the goodest boy at Shibuya. Um, no, right on. I did the Glickerman pose. Uh, I did an onsen. I ate a variety of very interesting and cheap food from various convenience stores. I don't think I was that much of a nuisance. Only went to one store where you could just smell the BO. That was the manga floor of, of like oh. a, a big department store. And Ugh. in and out of that pretty quick. Oh boy. It's um, nice to know that it's international. <laughs> what do you mean? Like people that uh, read a lot of manga or watch a lot of anime, because they have a musk and it seems to be like universal. Regardless. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only place that could have smelled worse would have been the maid cafe. <laughs> did you go yeah. to a maid cafe? I, I did not go to a maid cafe. Uh, I did not go to a cat cat cafe. I looked through the window of a of a teapot pig cafe, and that looked kind of interesting, but ah. did did not go in. Uh, also, it was full. Oh, question, um, question. Full of teapot pigs. Hold, hold on, hold on. I got, I got like another couple uh, things. Um, I got gachered. Uh, bought. Uh, I got suckered into a, a lot of the little gacha pods that they just have everywhere. Alcohol is insanely cheap, and there's one other thing. Oh, there was one other. Thing. Great chat. Oh, and and I read and I read the bullet train. There we go. That, that's, oh, that's nice. The, 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 the quick checklist. Um, what, what was your question? Um, did did you do the thing that would have made me really upset and go to Akihabara and see all the cheap pre-owned consoles? I did go to Akihabara. I went there a couple times. That was actually with the the BO floor. That was in Akihabara. Uh, we actually randomly in an isekai met an American oh. guy who was over in Japan specifically to find old like Nintendo video games. Uh, so he he knew his shit <laughs> all around Akihabara. Um, you just call I, it like a, you had an isekai moment. Uh, that's what you. I'm pretty sure that's what you just said. That's no. Nah, I think you just misheard. Oh, okay, never mind. Then please ignore this part. Edit this out, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm crazy, I'm pretty sure like the 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 small bars that you go into are isekais. Ah, oh, never mind. Then, could be. Yeah. I could be totally off base with that. I actually didn't hear anyone say what it was that we were doing but it's it, you know what fuck it i need to look this up now before i before i get cancelled after well, being i thought you said I, I thought you said isekai like one of those animes or, uh where you get transported into another world i mean it, to me i thought it was the same oh isekaya ah okay. close my close. my mistake very very close yeah okay i i can see how i got confused there uh yeah type of informal japanese bar that serves alcoholic drinks and snacks yeah Izakaya. There we go. So at an Izakaya, I met an American guy who was traveling around Akihabara trying to find stuff. Uh, I was in a few places to look for a couple things specifically, but not for pre-owned consoles. But I did see that pre-owned consoles were available. I didn't check the prices. I was told not to check the prices because even if they are cheaper than in the West, they are still very expensive. Yeah, but they're still like significantly cheaper than the West. I'm sure, but luckily I'm not really in the... Um, mind of needing to own or needing to go find a pre-owned console. I it did actually occur to me. PS Vita. Yeah, exactly. It did actually yeah. occur to me going through, going through a couple of these places because um, uh, a couple of the places sold like PSP games and things. Uh, funnily enough, I don't know if I saw the PS Vita game section, but... Uh, PS Vita has games. games in that. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But uh, I did wonder if I was to try and find another person with a Vita, how easy would it be in Japan? <laughs> Not um, very. It didn't sell very well there either. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I I think the the quick fire got 
Come, uh, I guess, in case other people are interested. Spend three weeks there, one week in Tokyo, a couple of days dotted around the place, moving from Tokyo down to uh, Nagoya, uh, Osaka, Hiroshima, and Okayama, and then back to Tokyo and out again. So a little, little smattering of places. Um, very cool. Very, very enjoyable trip. Hunt, uh, would, would go again. Mad, Kaya, Kane. Um, I'm planning to go in about six months or so, so maybe I'll hit you up for some recommendations. Ah, maybe you will. Also, side point, there are so many fucking Australians in Japan. Like, holy shit. Um, really? It's, it's real, in, it's, I, I it's mean, real I interesting. It's, I guess it's like a cheap um, holiday trip. Cheapy-ish. It's no Bali. Cheaper, cheaper than, but it's like, yeah, well, yeah, Bali is like the number one choice, and that's for like all the um the surfer bros and like Sydney-siders. Bogans. Yeah. Bogans. But if, um, you, if yeah, you want to go out further, I think Japan is like the cheapest. Yeah, there's a couple of good deals you can pick up as well. Like, it's also that the that, yen is just like crazy weak right now. Yeah. Is it? I might buy my yen now. Australian dollar to yen. Oh, 90, oh. Uh, 97. That's not too bad. Remember uh, one time in like year seven when we were doing Japanese in uh, high school, our teacher was like, oh, it's one to one. You should buy it all now. And I didn't understand what the fuck you were talking about. It's fine. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, it's, it's real interesting. Oh, shit. It was like, down to like 88 last year, man. You did all right. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, man. Um, um, when when you're a non-Japanese person in Japan, you you suddenly notice all the other non-Japanese people in Japan, uh, and if they are either American or Australian, you hear them before you see them. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's it's fucked. <laughs> Enjoying a nice uh, a nice quiet drink on a rooftop bar in Hiroshima, and then suddenly fucking the the most crooked. I'm the, I'm trying to think of like the most offensive like. I actually, I actually have no idea where their accent was from. But just this really thick, annoying as fuck Australian accent. And it's a group of like ten of them that all just swirl out onto the bar and just basically scream at each other from about one feet away. Yeah, that is the Bogan experience. Very, very Australian moment. The eastern suburbs. It, it really was, and it's like, man, the the amounts of temptation I have to push you off of this rooftop. <laughs> but. I, digress. I have one more, one more Japan-related oh, question for you. Go on. Can mm -hmm. you give me a one-word review of the 7-Elevens there? Amazing. That's all I needed. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> good review. I, uh, there, there, were, there were a couple times when it was like, all right, you know, we've had dinner, let's buy some snacks for both, like, tonight, tomorrow, and maybe some drinks, or just basically whatever else we're feeling. Um, wander through, of course, they're, they're, they're called convenies over there. Uh, wander through a conveni. And it's like, yeah, I want uh, these three cans of alcohol, this like random box of Japanese snacks, a sunscreen, uh, a piece of fruit and some bread. And then you, you go up to the till and it's like, oh, that'd be uh, like 900 to 1000 yen, which at least in New Zealand dollars is like 11 or 12 bucks. <laughs> and it's like, uh, how? <laughs> these two cans of beer alone would cost me the 12 bucks in New Zealand. What is going on? Food, food is crazy cheap and crazy tasty. Their, their economy uh, is a mystery to us. <laughs> uh, um, uh, also, because it's a funny story to share with the pod, uh, I, I, will, I will regale one, one funny story. So if you're traveling around Japan, chances are you will purchase a Japanese rail pass uh, beforehand just because it saves money on, on buying bullet train tickets. Um, so we couldn't ride on the super fast bullet train because we didn't want to pay for the crazy expensive uh, Japanese rail pass. Uh, but we still got like the... the it's still a bullet train. It's still fast. And so we, uh, so you have that and then you have a, there's probably some equivalent with wherever people are listening from, but like a, like a bus card for like intercity travel, a bus card that you can use on trains and basically all public transport. Um, and also vending machines, which is cool. And, and, um, purchasing something from convenience, really, really useful. Uh, and so normally 
if you are traveling between cities, and this was us traveling from Hiroshima back to Tokyo, uh, you only want to use your Japanese rail pass because like, there's no point using your bus card to travel several hundred kilometers. And so where we got dropped off by the bus at Hiroshima station, we couldn't use our JR pass to get into the station. And we didn't know how long we had to try and walk around the building to find another entrance. So we're like, ah, fuck it. Let's just, let's just use our um, bus pass to, to get into the station. And so for anyone that doesn't know how a bus pass works, normally, if you tap into somewhere or, or tap to use something, uh, the, the system expects you to tap to, to stop using it, like when you get off the bus or get off the train. Uh, and so we didn't do that. And so uh, we made it all the way to, to Tokyo and we tried to get out of Shibuya station with, uh, with our bus card. And uh, that was when the system went, hey, you need to go see someone at the ticket office. I don't know what's happening with your card. And so we go and uh, see this lovely little Japanese woman sitting behind a desk in the uh, ticket counter who uh, doesn't speak much English, nor do we speak much Japanese. And so I hand her my card and she scans it. And the only word out of her mouth was Hiroshima and then looks at me and then tries to figure out if I've committed crimes <laughs> oh, no. by, by somehow making it several hundred kilometers without tagging off my bus card. It was just the, the look of genuine concern in her eyes. <laughs> and I just know that when she would have hit her like lunch break or whatever, she would have walked into the break room and been like, you have no idea what the fuck just happened. <laughs> so get this, these two white people came in um, no, it was it was very funny. Uh, it was all sorted. We we showed we we showed her that we had bullet train tickets, and uh, we thought about trying to explain, but she just waved us through, and we thought probably probably better to just chalk it up that we're just dumb foreigners and then leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, Japan Japan very fun. Uh, highly highly recommend people go. At least there was an active effort to try and like uh, make the situation better and explain. Because I've, I've heard many situations of uh, people going and traveling to Japan and just going, yeah, no, fuck the rail system. I'm just going to, like, steal a ride. Yeah, and if you do steal a ride, they can, they, you get in a lot of trouble. So the, the closest that we came to doing that was, uh, so we, you, you use Google Maps for everything, right? And Google Maps is like, catch this train from this station at this platform. You're like, yep, sweet, I can follow instructions. Uh, and so we did that. And uh, I'm not going to say where we were or which train we tried to catch. But uh, suffice it to say, it should have been a very easy jump. All we needed to do was jump on a train for two stops. And so we jump on the train and then we look where we are on the map and we look where the station we're trying to get to and they're moving in opposite directions. And we're like, ah, <laughs> there is a chance we're on the wrong train. And then uh, we hear uh, a big smattering of Japanese come over the tannoy and then uh, the automated uh, voices also go into English for people like me and so the the english voiceover says people in the car that we were in like car seven or whatever car number it was uh is is fully reserved for people with first class tickets and we're like we are on the wrong train <laughs> and so we just bailed out of the next station and, <laughs> and waited for a return trip but yeah it's i can see why people would try and take advantage of the system because it's it's a culture of like, there's no need to take advantage of the system. So no one expects you to, uh, the, the number of times people just like leave bags places because it's so safe. You could absolutely just take advantage of that. Like you could probably just talk your way or sneak onto like buses or trains and stuff. But so much of the culture is like, well, why would you do that? <laughs> why, why would you be a bad person when you could just not? Mm, okay. All right. Now you've got me really excited. I do want to go. Do it, and then do 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 the onsen as well. It's a it's a, a weirdly enjoyable time. Uh, you you get you and like ten to twelve of your best friends, uh, and you just all hit up the onsen together. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 
As long no, as you I'm, had fun, my friend. <laughs> just I'm, like I'm, one of my Japanese animes, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Just say that um, to everyone that you meet. Can <laughs> <laughs> you do Naruto? And you, you walk around waving an American dollar in their face. You're like, you know how much this is worth. And then you get punched out like that annoying streamer in um and uh, uh, that oh, I don't remember who it was, but that video of that guy just getting knocked out to the to the sound of the Mario coin. Yeah, that was so gratifying. Uh, yeah. Oh, love that. Yeah, luckily, luckily, we tried to be more respectful. Well, not a high bar, but we tried to just be genuinely respectful anyway. But he's um, not being yeah. an asshole. Other, other than people being loud Australians, uh, no one, no one was really a dick that we saw that. So that was good. Anyway, now spend a while talking about Japan. Why don't we shift gears? And okay, well, seeing as you guys have, have loved doing this without me, um, Steam chat now, Steam chat later. What are we doing? What are we feeling? Steam chat now. Steam chat now? All right, Steve says Steam chat now. So it's amazing. We've been going for like 20 minutes. We still haven't even hit around the lounge. A simple Steam chat game for you both. I have in front of me a one Exoprimal, the title. Oh, uh, huge. So in case, uh, no, in case people aren't aware, Exoprimal recently went on sale. Can't imagine why. Uh, the game was selling so strongly. Um, All games so go on sale it after It also just had a free weekend on Steam. Oh, did it? Okay, that, that uh, might factor into it as well. And the Street Fighter stuff, it just came out. Okay, because what, what I was going to give you ahead of time is that the player count is up. Okay, it, it is up. So whatever it was before, pull a number out of your ass. It's, it's above that. I think it was, it's been dancing around... Two. Like three, three hundred ish, which not great for 17. still fairly new release game. Anyway, the 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 number that I want from you guys, <clears throat> there is a, uh, a a rather large jump from three hundred, and it is actually very close to the original peak players when it released. And so the original peak players is four thousand five hundred and twenty-two, which banger of a peak player count for a, <laughs> for a new release game. So my question is. The sale and I guess Steam free weekend and things. Uh, what do we think last thirty days peak players is? And I say pretty close to. So it is somewhere between four thousand and five thousand. So don't guess anything too crazy. But four thousand five hundred was the initial peak, higher or lower, and then second follow up. I guess is what. What do you think the number is? Uh, Stephen, I think I was. Ah, oh, you bastard. Um. Oh fuck! No, you've thrown me. I was just going to start saying things. Um, <laughs> That's, just, that's your normal defense mechanism. Yeah, I'm going to say lower. I'm going to say 2,700. I mean, you were okay, just told so... it's between 4,000 and 5,000. Oh, I thought you said it was lower than its opening one at 3,000. Am I being gaslit? Um, I think it's 4,700. As, as much fun as it is so to gaslight you on, 4, a, on a date. <laughs> I get it. I get that feeling. I, I, I didn't understand what you're asking. So, I can't, so the, I can't right, understand so, these so things. The original, the original is 4,500-ish. Yes. Do you think yeah. it's the original higher peak. or lower? And yeah. it's between four thousand and five thousand that we're guessing. Yeah. Don't know where you pulled three thousand. Where did from. I pull <laughs> three thousand in the room? Maybe, maybe I, I just defaulted. Maybe this is how much money I want. I'm going to say lower. I'm going to say four thousand two hundred and seven. Okay, cool. He's getting so, specific. I'm going to go higher, and I'm going to say it's not much higher, and it's probably around like four thousand six hundred and fifty. So interestingly, Price's Right rule says that Seth is is correct here. But the, 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 the real answer, at least as of Steam charts, uh, looking at it right now, the peak players for the last 30 days is 4,976. Oh, nah, so close. We have, we have hit a new peak. Good for Exoprimal. Yeah, glad to see it making a comeback. By that the way, while you, while you were gone, into the sunset. <laughs> while you were gone, and I forgot to cover this when it was announced last week, but Exoprimal announced as next, um, next 
crossover event is going to be a Monster Hunter one. But isn't Exoprimal about hunting monsters? I don't understand. No, it's about hunting dinosaurs, which are different from monsters. But also, a fun thing they're doing what? is that one of, one of the um, skins that you can get in the Monster Hunter collab, you get to be a Rajang. Yo. <laughs> That's sick. Oh, actually, also should have called this out as part of the Japan stuff. Uh, went to the Capcom Cafe, ordered a bunch of like food and stuff based on Monster Hunter Now, the, the mobile game. It was part of a cross-promotion thing. And then went to the actual Monster Hunter bar. Holy shit, what a time that is. It's basically just all sorts of drinks labeled after din- uh, after the different monsters, uh, and you can also order food there and stuff. But yeah, when when Japan does like a, a themed store or a themed like area, they they go hard. They take no prisoners. Yeah, I've seen how those um themed cafes get. I've seen them for uh, like seen people post about them for like Palm Fancy, Kirby, Kingdom Hearts, and a bunch of other series. And mm. yeah, they, they go all out. And they've also got a shit ton of merchandise to just drain your wallet. They do. They really do. Oh, also, and, man, and it's not even it's not it. even just to drain your wallet. They they're like, if you order this, you get a random selection of like these like um coasters. And yeah, if, yeah, if you yeah. want the whole set, you could better keep coming back. That's well, so true, multiple drinks? I think it's like, you can. One, yeah, you can, but... Um, but the thing is, it's, it's gotcha-fied, right? So you could just get multiple of the same. Yeah. All right, uh, gotcha-fied. <laughs> I need that fucking word. Everything um, is gotcha-fied in Japan. I, I meant to mention it as part of the, um, the, the, the rapid-fire checklist. Went to USJ and went through Super Nintendo Land. Oh, um, nice. Oh, nice. It, it's, uh, it, it is just as wild as all the pictures look. Do you feel weird as a 28-year-old six-foot-two male walking around Super Nintendo Land punching blocks in front of children? No. Kinda? Does it stop you? No. <laughs> and I, I bet you're going to say that like it was just convenient that there was like a that was a block and there was a children's head right behind it. So, oh, I, just, I was punching this block and this kid just got punched. <laughs> Uh, yeah. hmm. um, <laughs> no comment. Well, I will say just on the back of that, though, realizing that we are finished with the Steam Charts stuff, but I don't know where else to, to, to throw this little block. So Super Nintendo Land's really cool in that if you have a, a watch, which is effectively merch that you have to buy, and I did because why would you not? You can wander around Super Nintendo Land collecting keys to fight Bowser Jr. And I still am trying to process what actually happened here, but uh, my mate and I all got the three keys, and so we went in, we fought uh, Bowser Jr., and so Bowser Jr., the the fight's kind of like PlayStation eye toy kind of thing of uh, you become the player, and it's like you swiping and, and jumping and stuff. Really, really cool, really fun. Like, uh, as a kid, would have been amazing. Uh, but there was a dude who uh, looked about 30, came in late, fought Bowser Jr., and then didn't even, uh, and just like left before the ending cutscene had played. And then, and then it shows everyone like five times a no, day. Exactly, exactly. And and then and then everyone's scores show up on screen, and that dude smoked everyone else in the room. <laughs> and it's like, I get that this is your thing, but like, why? <laughs> like, I I thought I was doing pretty well, and my score was like forty, which I don't even know if that's good or not. But then his score was like hundred and twenty, and the next highest was like eighty. And it's just like, cool, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. You've got some, you've got some like game thing that, that you're trying to work towards. That's cool. Uh, but no, it was, it was just quite funny. It was like, it comes in late, uh, kills Bowser Jr., refuses to elaborate, and then leaves before the end of Anyway, seam charts is done. Round the lounge. So uh, I'll go first. Uh, I was in Japan. Didn't know if I, I, don't know if I yeah, I don't know if I mentioned that to you, you guys. You should say something next time. I, I just oh. thought you just, I just didn't know. I thought you, you just had about. a stroke. <laughs> You've just been talking. Wait, you guys are real, right? <laughs> I'm not uh, just recording this by myself. Not schizophrenia. 
read out uh, the your credit card number and <laughs> to prove that I'm real. No, 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 and then I'll prove that I'm real. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, gotcha. But I'll um, prove yeah, that Dead's so- real as well. <laughs> Uh, the true human experience. So yeah, uh, Japan for the past couple weeks, but still managed to sneak in something to talk about other than Japan. Don't know if we'll get to it this week though, because Japan's already taken up quite a bit of time. Uh, I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem on the plane, on the plane over there. In fact, I I have thoughts. Uh, if we talk about it this week, then cool. Otherwise, that will be what we talk about next week. Anyway, uh, Steve. Other than trying to derail the conversation into how you're going to Japan in six months, and I guess that's cool for you and all, but like, what else have you been up to? Quick, quick, well, you've missed it, but I've been doing like Pokemon updates because I'm trying to become a Pokemon master. Um, I did all right on the weekend. Uh, no, yesterday. Oh yeah, how was how was your tournament on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, yeah, yesterday's tournament was really good. I also played on Friday and Saturday as well. Did absolutely dog shit. So on Friday and Saturday, I played probably twelve games, and I won three of them, uh, and one of them was from a buy. So not my best performance. It was just like a They're just people, Steve. You can't just like reduce them to that. I still will. <laughs> um, especially when like you you get the buy and it's your only fucking win. <laughs> Start crying. But yeah, I just wasn't playing that well. So then on Tuesday I was like, ah fuck, do I really want to go? So I ended up going. Uh, it was a mid-season showdown, so it was bigger. There was about 28 people or so. I had a great time. Played really well. There was five rounds and I won two of them. One of them I nearly won. Um it was just like a misclick on my end. Not a misclick, but just an error of judgment because it was for the end of the match. Uh, and then in one of the other matches, the guy, I burst him a couple of times and I don't know what it is, but he can, he can literally see into my mind. Like he knows what I'm going to do. Um, it's literally it just, I just literally just got outplayed. Like the whole fucking game is fucking frustrating. As Punch yourself in the head to confuse him. I, no, I, I think, think you want to blow my brains too. out there because it, it saves some time. Oh, it's, you, it's first new cool, mad surrender. There you go. All the best. Um, but yes, yeah. So Really impressed with that performance. Uh, my next uh, tournament is in Brisbane for the regionals. I'm going up there. Uh, I've got a hostel and stuff, so I can do it on the cheap. But yeah, in terms of other video games I've been playing, I've been playing Cassette Beasts, which is essentially a Pokemon ripoff that is like, we've got Pokemon at home, um, and it's like an official release, and it came out on Game Pass and stuff. Um, it does feel like it's... I can tell it's got the formula from Pokemon, uh, but there's a lot of things that it's like, cool, we'll improve on this. And then it's a lot of stuff that's like, nah, let's just shit the bed with this. Uh, but I'll get onto that uh, when it's my turn to speak on the lounge. Uh, over to you, Seth. Uh, yeah, so I played and finished uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I'm going to get a little controversial with that game and say I think it's a little overhyped. Boo, this man. Popular <laughs> thing bad. Not even bad. I just think people are treating it like the second coming of Christ, and I'm just like, it's good. Not that good, but it's good. See, what's, what's fascinating about that is that I, I hummed and hard. So uh, I was over, uh, first of all, really just interesting on most Japanese subways, just seeing Mario Wonder trailers just playing. Um, it did actually get to me. I saw it in store and I saw it in store uh, not only for cheaper than it would cost me to buy it in store in New Zealand, but they also had a percent discount on top of that for it being a new release game. I was so close to pulling the trigger on it. Some party still thinks I should have because if I ever want to play it, I'm now going to lose like 30 bucks in terms of how much I could have paid for it. But let's 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 get into that, because I everything that I heard about this suggested that this is a game that I should go and play and enjoy, but but a little overhyped. Okay, so don't get me wrong. This is definitely a game you should go play and enjoy, and it will give a lot of enjoyment. But where I'm coming from with it's a little overhyped is people coming out and saying it's a 10 out of 10 game of the year material and i don't fully commit to that idea i just think this is a really solid uh, mario game um, wonderful and Boo. Boo this man 
For those that didn't get that reference, that was um, Professor Oak from Pokemon Snap. I think it's no, it, it like just on top of that as well to go where like where I think this is. It's like this is probably the best two D Mario game since Mario World. It beats the shit out of all of the new Super Mario Brothers games that have come out since the DS. It's got a lot of style and personality to it. It's a, it's a really fun game to just kind of play and watch. They've done a lot of little animation plays to give it more personality now. Uh, they've updated the graphics of, the, like, the art style of the game to give it more flavor. They've kind of done, like, the animation trick that you expect from, like, handcrafted animation things where uh, the models are deformed so that they look good from one specific camera angle and that's it. Because well, there's it, only, like, one camera angle, though, is it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's why they've done that. Because, yeah, it's just side on the entire time. Because of that, it's let them go from, like, the new Super Mario Brothers games. You're always seeing the characters from a side profile. And that's not as visually interesting as what they've done in this game, where you're always seeing them at, like, a three-quarter arm style. And you can always see both of their eyes and their mouth. And it works a lot better than the new Super Mario Brothers games ever did. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this game as well. Um, and- as much as I hate platformers with a burning passion, it does sort of pique my interest a bit. Like, just because everybody's been talking about it, and I might take your point that, yeah, it's been overhyped. But I don't know. I'm just... I don't know. To hear you say that it's not the second coming of Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, really, it's really look, it's not I'm, the second so coming of Christ, but it's the best thing since sliced bread. Best thing since sliced bread. Um, <laughs> so... If, what okay, exactly just, just, just to be clear here, Seth, is, is the second coming of Christ better or worse than sliced bread? Better. Depends okay. what you believe in, I guess. I just, I just want to make sure I got the scale the right way around. But like, so, so what, what are the holes? Like if, I'm assuming you've seen other reviews of stuff as well. What's the point of difference? Like it's, as much as I want you to sort of retell the game, and I, maybe it's just, I'm just biased because I've heard a lot about the game and it's essentially just a 2D Mario. You, you go right and you jump, um, except in the levels when you're underwater and you dive deeper, I guess. That's, that's yeah, is there anything it. more? That's kind of it. It's it's 2D Mario, and 2D Mario is like platforming done very well, but it's it's also missing spice. Like for me, 2D Mario isn't as good as Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends, for example. And Mario Wonder, while being one of the best 2D Mario games, still doesn't hit that sort of level. If that if that's kind of making sense. I don't, I don't think it does, but I think that's one of those gameplay things that you and, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I haven't played the 2D Mario probably since the one on the original DS, and I just don't like yeah. 2D platformers. Oh, so, 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 so the way I see me. 2D Mario is like, it's a lot like vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream is great, but there's, there's better out there like chocolate ice cream. Well, then what is chocolate ice cream? Where you go to, you go to Japan and like... Japanese vanilla ice cream is just better than other vanilla ice creams. Here we go. Men go to Japan. Japan it's Japan like that meme. <laughs> what can I say? I'm now cultured. Konnichiwa. It's just overall very <laughs> solid, but it doesn't do too much for me to get me like really super invested in the platforming mechanics of the game. It's just, it's very good at what it does, but it doesn't push it really far. And that's also comes into the point of like, a lot of the game is fairly easy as well. Usually in the games, you've got like a ramping difficulty scale of it's, it starts getting harder and harder um, as you get more worlds in. But then when you get halfway into this game, it goes, all right, you can pick any of the last three worlds that you want in any order. And so they all start at uh, all of them start at like a two star difficulty 
on, on a range of like five or six stars, I think is the maximum. So they all start off fairly easy and then they get, they get decently hard by the end, but not really. It's like they get more tricky with like how they want you to find secret exits and stuff like that. So yeah, I, it, it never really gets uh, challenging in the platforming department. And yeah, it, it's, it's just uh, small stuff like that. It's just a lot of small things that uh, compile into this could be a lot better for me personally, but it's, it's still very, very str- it's a very strong game by the end of it, just playing it. It's also got a fact of like none of the bosses are really unique. You like you fight Bowser Jr. a bunch of times. You have an airship boss, which is just a small corridor that you've got to get through to hit a button at the end of it. The most exciting boss is just the Bowser fight at the very end. And even that's like not super interesting. Is that like not that interesting as in, well, I guess like, uh, expand on not that interesting, like mechanically not that interesting. Yeah, or mechanically kind of not a- that interesting, and also very easy. Right. Oh, what do you, I, 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 look, I, me, me, and look, I'll I'll happily rest on the the formulaic aspect of it. But like, what more can they do? You go right, you jump. I said it before. I'll say it now. Like, Make the boss fight three D, coward. Oh, hang on. But then you got Mario sixty four. Um, <laughs> We yeah, need, well, we need Mar- that, Mario also- <laughs> big mouth mode. I think that's also just another thing. I think 3D Mario might, is probably better than 2D Mario for me. You're right. Like, 2D we- platformers are shit, Seth. <laughs> I never said that. I never <laughs> said I, that. I, 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 think, I think that is what Seth said, actually. Literally, read between the lines. But yeah, like yeah. mechanically interesting is just like, so Mario World had its final Bowser fight is you got to grab something. Like Bowser's going around, you got to dodge his attacks. Um, then he throws something out for you to grab, and then you go dodge a few things again while you try to aim and throw the um, throw the little robot up onto Bowser's head. And it's pretty involved. And as a kid, I died to that a fair few times. This one is just, hey, every now and then, I you just need to press a jump button to take out a thing or a dodge. When you were a attack. kid, you were, so if you were a kid playing this game, maybe you would have found it harder. I don't know. Maybe, but... You literally got good and now you're complaining about it. But it, it's just looking at... This is just like, hey, every now and then you just got to press a jump button to either avoid an attack or to hit. There's no, like, more interesting depth to it than yeah. that. Don't I, yeah. While like, the Mario World one yeah. had a lot of um dodging and trying to be precise about it. Yeah. Do you think it's maybe because... Uh, and I don't want to cheapen it by saying it's a kid's game. It's an all-ages game. Um, Do you think that's kind of reflected in this? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think they still could have pushed it a little bit more in the difficulty department because there's only like two levels in the game that I think are fairly difficult. Mm. The re- the rest of them, the difficulty comes from, oh, we made this a little tricky in how we have a hidden exit in it. Um, Can you find the hidden exit? But yeah, I, that, that's enough like kind of being down on the game. Um, I think a lot of what it does uh, well is done really well. Like all of the Wonder Flower gimmicks are a lot of fun. Like there's a lot of them that are just like, hey, we've shifted the perspective of the level a little bit. So instead of being a, um, instead of being a 2D platformer, now you're a um, top down adventure sort of thing, adventure sort of game. Uh, there's some that make the levels into musical levels um, that have a bit of rhythm to it. Uh, some of them change you into the, the worst ones in the game. So the ones that change you into a Goomba and you just walk really slowly and have no jump ability and you just got to figure out how to get through the level as a Goomba. Okay, that's pretty cool. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, they do a lot of fun stuff with the Wonder Flower effects. Um, every single level has one. Uh, they do repeat some uh, effects, but I don't think that's too much of a problem. There's enough variety in there that it keeps the game fresh. Yeah, th those are a lot of fun. Uh, the elephant power is kind of, kind of whatever, but it's fun to just have the ability to just attack anything that's right in front of you. And the new drill power up that they've done in this game is seems to be a speedrunner's wet dream because you just dig into the floor or dig into a roof and you go at like double the speed while avoiding everything. So overall, because you're talking about how like, you know, 3D is just sort of better than 2D. So if they took the same, because they took a lot of liberties like with just basically just having fun with the mechanics, right? If they'd done that in a 3D game, do you think it would have been better? Or is it kind of the best of what they have within a 2D game and it's just not quite the second coming of Christ? Uh, I think it's that they, they don't push the ideas far enough. It, like, it, it's fine. It, in a 3D game, it'd still be about the same. Um, it's just that what's here is like they, they got it to an acceptable level where it's like very polished and very good. But they could have pushed some things a little further to just make them either a little more interesting or a little more difficult. Because it feels like they get to a point where in terms of difficulty and being used to a mechanic, they got it to just where just to the point of like the middle ground of being just acceptable. And then they never hit that uh, last gear to make it um, really, uh, really challenging and like you get through a section and you kind of have like that sigh of relief of like, I did it sort of right, feeling. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So quick uh, follow-up question to that. If I pull one of the 10-year-olds I have living in my basement up to the microphone right now uh, uh -huh. and asked him if it was difficult, no, that don't, let's not focus on that part. But if, if I was to ask them after playing Super Mario Wonder uh, whether they thought it was too hard, uh, sorry, too easy, uh, do you think they would agree? I don't... Mm. I think it depends I, on like the person's aspect with games. Like It seems like yeah. what you're trying to say, Seth, is that the way that Nintendo designed this game is designed to be approached. Whoops, just shot my phone. That's going to fuck up the um the audio. Um, <laughs> I thought that was the ten year old trying to <laughs> escape. You know what? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to dig that hole any further. <laughs> By the way, you dug um, it deep you... enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's just, it's just a tomb. Um, um, those kids have dug it deep enough. Um, <laughs> it seems like that Nintendo tried to go more of a all ages, all game history type of thing. Like they're trying to get everybody um to play this game with the amount of switches they've sold the like a bajillion the game's uh, already sold gone. like 4.3 million yeah and how many switches are there one percent probably uh, at least um, 4.4 million i think it's at 130 yeah. million yeah it's like, all those stats yeah so it's like what just under one percent um sorry just over one percent of people own this game um I guess fucking huge stat considering some people owned anyway it doesn't matter um but yeah it seems like what you're trying to say is that they've made everything a lot more I don't want to say accessible because I don't think that's fair. Approachable. But approachable. Better. There you go. There. Fantastic word. But it's like at the same time, they sort of alienated the, I don't want to use it, hardcore <laughs> the, game. The true gamers. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's also like... Uh, You're right, Seth. The, main, the, main, the, main story, the main story being approachable is fine. Uh, where the disappointment really sets in is the special worlds. Like if you've played... Um, 3D World or even the new Super Mario Brothers games, you have like this whole star road at the end where they have like all these really ball-bustingly difficult levels. In this game, they have levels where they take some of the Wonder Flower gimmicks and try to push them to an extreme and they they don't really hit that level of being super difficult. Maybe, maybe for a child, they'll be more difficult. 
and they'll spend a fair bit of time on it. But yeah, for for me personally, um, they <laughs> for gamers like myself, <laughs> uh, for me personally, it it didn't hit super hard. And then like the champion road level of this game, uh, was wasn't as satisfying as previous champion road levels either. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that helps contextualize uh, where you're coming at it from because it is it is always funny to me that. Like, I've had this discussion with a few other people where uh, I enjoy a game and I play through a game, but because I'm not dying repeatedly, someone will always ask, why don't we just turn the difficulty up and make it harder? It's like, no, no, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it to be a challenge. Yeah, it's, I, it's just when, when the part of the game that should be challenging isn't challenging isn't. is where yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm coming yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. sorry, it, it took, like... 15 minutes to get that point driven to the right, right direction. Hey, the audience and the 10-year-old kid, thank you for, for finally getting there. But yeah, no, overall, it's still, like, super enjoyable. I do like playing the game a lot. Like, it just feels good to play. The gimmicks in it are fun. They do a lot of interesting things with the new enemy types in the game. I do want to say the new toad replacements, the poplins, I think they're called. They, they suck. Okay, wait, wait, wait. What do, you, what do you mean they replace toad? So this game takes place in the flower kingdom instead of the mushroom kingdom. So instead of uh, mushroom citizens, we've got little flower seed people. I don't yeah. like this. Yeah, I've so, seen those pictures. Um, don't worry, weird. I also dislike them because, hey, Bowser, Bowser came. He's, uh, he's preparing. <laughs> oh no, he failed. No, not November. <laughs> he, he's preparing yeah. a doomsday weapon to unleash a mega wonder all over the kingdom. <laughs> oh, no, that's what he called it. And Jesus. I get to the third world and there's this poplin that's like, oh hey, I'm like the master of this area. Um I'm going to go I'm going to go from my final area where the um the royal seed is and come introduce myself at the beginning <laughs> of the world. Yeah, I'm just flying right oh, no. past that. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We'll get there. And um and so he he starts talking to me at the beginning of the of the world, and it's the the little prince that's with me. He's like, "So the world's in danger. Can can we just have the royal seed and leave?" And the poplin's like, "Eh, nah. You you have to pass my trials to to get it. I could give it to you, but I'm not going to. You have to you have to earn it." It's like my my brother in Christ. Your your kingdom's in danger. Just give me the MacGuffin so I can leave. <laughs> But then we don't get a cool training montage with Chris Pratt and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, or whoever, Princess Peach, I forgot. It was Anya Taylor-Joy, you got that right. Ah, cool. It would have been embarrassing if you said, like, Scarlett Johansson or something. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Seth, don't edit that in. Edit that in. Cool. Uh, any, any other sort of bits that you want to hit on? Or, or we, start, we start wrapping up, we start giving it a, a score, perhaps. I think, I think that's good. I think that's good enough um yeah i i i think it's overhyped but it's still very very good it's not going to get a 10 it's like an eight for me yeah it's, it sounds like you're describing a solid eight i mean hey nothing nothing wrong with eights you know what they say eight eights uh get degrees why was six scared of seven <laughs> it, it's still a highly recommendable game and i do advise people to go play it because it is it is just generally fun i'm now seven, upset eight, that i didn't <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I'm so upset that I didn't get it when I was in Japan. I was eyeing that up and I was eyeing up Tears of the Kingdom. And you know what? I didn't buy either of them. Like, like an absolute buffoon. Um, despite both being cheaper than, than getting them here. Um, oh, well, that's, that, that's on me. That, that, uh, to be honest, 
that was something that crossed my mind of surely it's the same cartridge so it has different language options but I also wasn't willing to risk it. Anyway, thank you, thank you for that, uh, Seth. Why don't we Why don't we um, change tack? I, I'll quickly interject actually with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sword on the plane. I was I, I was kind of into it both from the um, animation style. I'm talking about like seeing trailers initially, um, seeing trailers initially, uh, both the animation style and the writing. I was kind of like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give that a go. And in the classic you're on a plane somewhere fashion, uh, a movie that is normally only in cinemas is also available on the plane. Um, so I watched it and I, I quite enjoyed it, actually. I only disrupted the people around me, I think, three times from, from laughing. But uh, like it was laughing or bad laughing, like laughing at it or laughing with it. I think laughing with it, mostly. Uh, there were a couple bits where it felt a little like... <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of thinking about rehashing the like oh you know like uh, i can see why kids would enjoy this but i a true movie connoisseur um it's there's a very particular scene i've seen of that movie where it's like oh i'm cringing at this but i get it because this is what teenagers are like yeah yeah there's a little bit of that there's a little bit of um that and also just kind of like slightly contrived writing which is that like you see the pieces coming together and you're like, yeah, okay, I, I know what's coming and like, you, you still enjoy it, but it's like, it's, it's not going to do anything too crazy or surprising. Yeah. It's movie it also, 101 or trope 101. A little, but it, it's not necessarily a bad thing because it, it does just make it entertaining. It's kind of just switch brain off. Enjoy. Yeah. I, Are you I, a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan? Not really. Well, it's not that I'm not a fan. It's more just like, it was always on the periphery of me growing up. Like it'd be the, you catch some Saturday morning cartoon with it on or the occasional, like there's always someone repping like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle merch or like a shirt or something yeah. at like school and that kind of thing. But I didn't actively. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> DMNT <laughs> is just a forever franchise at this point. Like I think it's yeah. in the eighties and it's just every five or so years, it gets a reboot that hits a new generation of kids. And and that's and that's sort of where I'm at with it as well, which is just like I, I know about it. I've known about it for years. I haven't actively sorted out or anything, but I I appreciated it. Uh, I didn't think like I, I don't know if it does anything weird, like canonically that a whole bunch of true fans are up in arms about because I, I don't know, nor do I particularly care. But no, it was just a, it was just a fun movie. And the uh, animation style was quite cool. It was interesting in that uh i admittedly was watching this on the back of a plane seat so it wasn't like i could really experience the 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 quality of the film because plane seat tvs are ass but it gave me a little bit i know what the like i, I can see what they're trying to do animation wise it, like little bits of it were like i can see how this is kind of uh trying to take a few things that say into the spider-verse does just as like fun animation bits and pieces and tried to like make it their own thing which was cool yeah and the the writing i mean other than the sort of tropiness it's it still <laughs> it makes me feel young at heart being able to laugh at most of the jokes so i mean i i didn't mind that too much um yeah overall well, is, is it like smart jokes or is it like like teenage uh oh, sex joke i mean it's a seth rogan movie so it's probably got some haha weed jokes in there too ah true see the the interesting thing is i i know he's I know he's like a, a producer on it, and I, I think I saw his name somewhere in the voice acting credits. Like, 
don't quite remember. I think he um, might be like one of the mutants, like Bebop or Rocksteady or something. Actually, no, I think John Cena was Rocksteady. Turtles? He's Mini definitely turtles? not any of the turtles. Is he Splinter? No, Jackie Chan is Splinter. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Jackie Chan. He's definitely oh, really? Not. Yeah. Holy shit, huge. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Huge um, casting there. What the fuck? And, and so, like, like I, I think one of my favorite jokes is, like, I know that it's in the trailer, so it's not, not a spoiler or anything, but they, like, the, the, the four turtles have um, uh, snuck out, and then one of them uh, confesses to, one of them confesses to Jackie Chan, and the other one goes, like, oh, you ratted us out, and of course, because, he's, <laughs> yeah. because Splinter is a rat, he's like, hey, we don't use that word. <laughs> so, still, still funny to me. And, and to half answer Steven's question, um, they, they got, like, actual teenagers to voice the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I, oh, I don't okay. know any of their names, but they're all, like, actual, like, 15-year-olds, 15 to 16-year-olds, I think. Like, it's, it's funny because you hear their voices and you're like, they sound too young to play teenagers. And you realize, no, no, no. It's just because normally they get older people playing teenagers. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's just you can warped. actually hear their voices, like, kind of breaking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can hear a couple of them squeak just while, while going through it. But yeah, overall, um, I thought it would be a bit of dumb fun and it was a bit of dumb fun. Uh, I, I do actually recommend it, particularly for people who are kind of like, oh, yeah, I know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but. You don't, you don't have to be a super fan to enjoy it. It's just, it's just, it's just fun. Um, yeah, you can be yeah. a regular fan. It's been on my watch list for a while because, yeah, just in general, I really like animated movies and I do enjoy Ninja Turtles enough. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, it was a similar kind of thing for me. Like, I, I knew that it was in the cinemas. I wasn't, like, if I happened to have a free afternoon, I might have gone to see it at the cinemas, but it was just like, a, oh, I'm on this plane to Japan for, oh, I went to Japan, by the way, in case you didn't know, but I'm on this um, flight, flight to Japan for like 10 hours, 11 hours. So uh, the fact that they have a movie that I was kind of wanting to watch on here anyway, sick. Anyway, that's all I really have to say about that. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we jump over to, to Steve regaling us the tales of Cassette Beasts, which, to be honest, sound kind of like a DLC island in Ultrasound Ultramoon, but... Hit us with not, it. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Um, not even once. Not, yeah, not even. Not, yeah. Back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board of ye. Uh, Cassette Beast came out earlier this year. I know. Tw- Stephen playing a 2023 game. Huge. Yeah. May 25th. Um, Did sorry, not hear about this. Sorry. It came, so it came out for the PC on April 26th and then for Xbox and Switch uh, on May 25th. And it was a day one Xbox Game Pass game. And I heard a lot of positive things about it. It is a. I'm not a Pokemon inspired game. I think they're called Monster Tamer Games is the official or not official, but like is the Oh, so it's a Temtem ripoff. Yeah, exactly. A Temtem ripoff, which is in turn a, a Yokai Watch ripoff, which is in a ripoff of Digimon. <laughs> um, which rip-off, is a fucking Which right? is a ripoff of Ben 10 Alien Force. There you go. There you go. Another Monster which Tamer game. Which is also a ripoff of Generator Rex. Which is also a ripoff of Paw Patrol. Yeah, no. Which anyway. is also a ripoff of Grand Theft Auto 5. <laughs> oh, anyway, so I'm not going to get involved with the story, but the story is that you, you have washed up on this island and everybody else has washed up on this island at other pieces at other periods of time. Uh, and there are and you're kind of trying to find out the mystery of like, why do people keep washing up on this island? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> who keeps throwing them into the ocean? <laughs> who keeps throwing them into the ocean? Like, where are we? How do we get off this island? Uh, and there are these monsters roaming the world called beasts. Um, and to tame those beasts, <laughs> stay with me here, you record them to a cassette um, and stay with me. And you've got like a tape player 
uh, and then you put in the cassette and you turn into the beast you've recorded, I think is what they use. It's a very interesting mechanic until you sort of like, and, and the game does sort of flesh it out. So, so hear me the, out. It's like Balan's Wonderworld, except with a cassette player. You're not wrong, but yes. So uh, combat is like turn-based. So it's usually you and a buddy. Like you, you get a buddy that you can match up with. Um, they have their own beast, of cassette beast. Um, and you can sort of swap it out, give them their own beast, take their beast away because they've got really good and rare beasts, um, and then give them a shit beast and then uh, disband yeah. them and get the actual person you like. Yeah. Uh, it's very very funny. Love, love that strat. Yeah. And, uh, but then, so it's like there's two on your team and then there can be up to three uh, beasts on the other sort of side of the field, or you can be going up against other uh, cassette beast the trainers, <laughs> cassette beast users. Uh, and it sort of becomes either like a two on one or a two v two or even a three on two, uh, and it's kind of interesting when you're versing up against like other trainers because uh, so it's split into there's your health as the health that your character has, and then there's the health of the beast that you transform into. Your once your cassette beast is out of health, there's a brief period of time before you can switch in a new cassette beast, and uh, you can get hit with. Other attacks, and that will uh, whittle like your health down, and that health is zero. Um, it's not a game over, but it's just like that player can't act for the rest of this battle. So it's it's uh, pretty interesting um, if you're up against someone that's like really tough. If you plan correctly, you can essentially knock out the cassette beast, and then your buddy comes through and does like a shit ton of damage to the the cassette beast tamer. And then drops their health down to zero, which means they won't send out their other cassette beasts or won't transform into it. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's just fucking weird, though, when you really think about it. Like, so c- can I just get this straight? So other <clears throat> other monster taming franchises, like uh, let, let, let's say Pokemon, for example, the one that we're all familiar with. When hold you on, go hold and- on. I just I just want to get one thing straight. This doesn't sound like a monster tamer. It sounds like Animorphs. That's, that's what I was getting to, Seth, is that monster taming, you're battling with creatures that you have tamed and controlled, whereas it sounds like here you transform into something and literally beat another person to death. Yes, but they've transformed as well, so it's, uh, play on the call. Yeah, you're right. But can, it's still can, like, you, it's can you ever transform into <laughs> Seth, thin ice. <laughs> <laughs> You've been to Japan, you know what Kamen Rider is now. So if I if I were to transform into a cassette beast, could I attack another person before they transform? In which case, uh, like how how does that work? Is we'll that get a sneak attack bonus? Like it's like no. the sneak attack bonus, but it's also like uh, like <laughs> if I if I find a cassette of a of a pit bull and then transform into it, am I just like lasering in on children or like what, what's what am I doing here? Yes and no. Like it's as long as they're transformed, you can't really hit. You're not hitting them, you're hitting the cassette. Then when the cassette drops to zero, you can hit them, but there's only a very, it's like one turn before they transform into it. So the cassette drops to zero, and I say I attack their life points directly and then fucking kill them as a beast that I've dressed up as. Pretty much, yeah, you're not wrong. And there's a couple of times where like I'll be a little bit over-leveled to the area, and I'll do like a, a multi-attack. So let's say I hit five times. The first two will knock out that cassette piece, and i got three <laughs> more attacks left, and they've gone straight towards them. <laughs> It's, yeah, and it's like oh, By the end, just missing teeth. Yeah, after like one attack, it, it, it's, it's pretty grim when you think about it. But it, it, yeah, it's no, very that sounds fucking brutal, yeah. actually. Yeah, and you can definitely, especially in because it's a, a weird Pokemon spinoff. They've got their equivalent of gym leaders, which are called Rangers, and like they're a bit harder uh, for reasons I'll get into later. 
but yeah, and our way to out remove out maneuver them is to be like, okay, um, I'll drop their cassette beast to like zero, and because it's sort of like a overflow damage, um, if the if the cassette beast is on like one, and I do fifty damage to it, it takes one damage, and then the person takes like forty nine damage. So I've taken a big chunk out, and my other one comes in and just beats the shit out of him. It's like, cool, well, I won. I I beat your gym master puzzle, and then, and that is a way to play. Um, you do have to position yourself very well for it, and it can get a bit hard, but the thing that really shines with this game, and I say shines in a way because it's a very different point of like uniqueness. It's because there is, of all the different types, uh, you've got like beast, astral, poison air, plastic, metal, fire, water, ice. So you've got all the standard ones, but it's like how they interact. So for example, my guy really have... just threw plastic out there and said, you've got all the standard ones. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. So, for example, if a, like, you got your standard one, so let's say a fire beast, there's no consistent thing. So a fire beast uses a, a fire attack on grass type, of course, it's going to get burned and it's going to take damage every turn. But if you use a fire type attack on a water type attack, it gets steam healing. So it heals for three turns, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and it's also similar, to, well, not similar, but like weird type of interactions. Like if you're using, um, I think, an air attack on a, an electric type, the electric type gets a status effect called a conductive, I think it's what it's called, which means because it's conducting electricity, all of its next attacks will hit all the opponent's party. Like instead of like targeting one, it'll target three, which is pretty interesting, which means you can get to some, it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to use a lightning attack on myself so that the lightning, sorry, so that the air beast does like 40 damage to everything on the screen. It's pretty interesting. It's a lot to sort of take in and digest. Um, and it's kind of ones that like sort of make sense. Like if you use a fire attack on plastic, because if you burn plastic, it turns into like noxious air. I think it makes the plastic a poison type, um, which is kind of a bit different. I mean, it makes the plastic a poison type, but you've also just fucking melted the plastic cassette beast, haven't you? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But because it's a, po- but because it's a poison type now for poison type uses an attack on a fire type, um, it's counts as fuel, which means the fire type bonus goes up. Um, oh, it's a lot of like, shit. yeah, it's a lot of like weird interactions and it's kind of a lot of things that it's like, oh, okay, that sort of makes sense. But then you'll do other things and it's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know why that's a thing. Do you get like dual typing or is everything monotyped? No. So everything is monotype, but a uh, very big heavy caveat here is like one of the, the core mechanics it introduces to you is uh, fusions. So there are, you can yeah, fuse with your Pokemon heart. fusions. Yeah, Let's go. Pretty much. So. There, I think, are about 130 individual cassette beasts, uh, and when you're with your partner, 130. You... Come on, Pokemon got 150 back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. If you let me finish. So if no, you... never. All right, good, Matt. All right, good. Oh, you can finish it then, big fella. Fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, so go, go. I, I'm pretty sure I know what Steven's going to get into next because I looked at the Steam page, but there's also fusions. Varsons. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So you can take two cassette beasts and turn them into one. No, no, it doesn't work like that. So you essentially fuse with your partner. So instead of having two on your side of the field, there's only one, and then you become a dual type. But the way that it works is it's, I'm not sure if it's procedurally generated or if they've made like a unique fusion for each of them. All fusions are unique. So let's say I've got, I don't want to read out any of these names because they're all shit. Let's say I've got a Kana Viper and I fuse it with a traffic crab. It creates something that's a poison fire type Sorry, a poison plastic type, um, and is unique in the sense of the the stats are combined 
the design is uh, different, but a combination of both of them, and you've only got one health bar. I love uh, the idea that somewhere in the in the world of this game, you you have a cassette beast ready to go, and you're like, I'm going to transform into traffic crab. Well, so in traffic crab, it's just it's literally like a, a crab with a traffic cone on its head, and then that evolves into Weaver Light, which looks like a little crab with a traffic light for a head. And of course, that uh, evolves into Lobstacle, which is a weird little lobster thing that's just made out of like traffic uh, cones and obstacles you'd find on the road. <laughs> they are the names are pretty cool. I'll give them that. You've got a a cat with a TV for a head, and it's called Kitelli. Uh, and naturally, that evolves into something called Cat Five, like a Cat Five cable. Uh, you've got a dog one that's called Papa Papa Cut, and then that evolves into Southpaw, and it's all dog based. But my favorite is like that's that's so good actually. Yeah, but my my favorite way to use that. My favorite of all, um, and I think I've seen fifty of them. Uh, My favorite is the uh, what's it called? Hang on, I'm looking it up here. Um, the Bulletino line. So you got Bulletino, which is literally a bullet, and then that evolves into Velocirifle, which is a T Rex with a (laughs) like a bolt like a gun for a head, and then you that evolves into Artillerex. Which is essentially a big fucking gun um, with a cannon in its chest and no arms. It's 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 pretty cool what they've done with the the designs of the beast, and they they do sort of feel a bit unique. But there are like a couple of dumb ones. Like there's this uh, scuba seal one. I think it's uh, here. It is dive eel. It's literally a, a seal with one of those old old timey diving helmets on, and then that evolves into scubalorus, which is a walrus with the same fucking thing. There are some things where it's like. Doesn't really do a lot, wait, but like wait, 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 wait. it's a walrus with the same thing. Do the tusks go through the front of the mask? Yes, it does. <laughs> or at least underneath the mask or something. You, you, you leave my boy Scoobolrus alone. He did nothing wrong. It, 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 I think it looks fucking dumb. Um, but yeah, so and that's sort of like the general premise of the game. You have finding out this mystery. You're going and beating all the gym leaders, uh, and there's a couple of other sort of side quests as well. And it throws a lot of side quests at you. To the point where, like, it's like, hey, you're in this town. If you see someone with an exclamation mark on your head, talk to them. They'll give you a quest. And before you know it, you've got, like, seven different quests in different directions. And you're like, which, which way do I go here? Like, and it doesn't, like, they do sort of start, like, sort it into main quests and side quests. But it, it doesn't really dictate which one you should do first. Like, of course, you want to do a bunch of side quests because some of the side quests will lead you to main quests. Or it's just, hey, I just want to see what this goes. Uh, but then, like, you do two or three of those. And before you know it, you're, like, overleveled. And Actually, so like it, on that, how, how do you how do you like catch uh, cassette beasts or like what what's the me- mechanic for actually gaining them? Uh, they must have thought long and hard about this one, but you record them. So you <laughs> okay. use... no, I, that, I know you mentioned that. Based. I mean, like, yeah, but like, what, what is that like? You because I assume some of the side quests are like, oh, if you do the side quest, then you get to go and encounter a particular beast or something would be my guess. So no, like, no, what is, crafting. No? They give you craft. They give you crafting materials. Crafting oh, materials. Oh no, this game has yeah, I know. It's not crafting, but it's just like a lot of materials that you like. Instead of giving you one currency, they give you like six. So let's say, like, if you visit a campsite, you have to spend wood to rest up, which is essentially a Pokemon Center. Or if you want to buy, uh, they call the moves on these stickers because you put stickers on the cassette tape. Uh, those cost um, rubble, I think it's. And if you want to buy like medicine, that costs something else. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense why they've done it like this. It's the bane um, of our uh, Western indie developers. They always got to do yeah. some sort of crafting system or multiple <laughs> currencies. They just yeah, they didn't need it. I, I don't really like it. Um, but to, but to answer the question, how you get them? So you record them. So you put a blank tape in, 
and you record the cassette. It takes one turn to record, and then while one of your party is recording it, they have to like uh, because they have to take the tape out and put a blank tape in to record it in. They have to get rid of the disguise, so to speak, which makes them vulnerable. But the other one, who is still transformed, can attack it, which makes the percentage chance of recording it going up. And that kind of makes it a bit interesting. But then, like, the RNG will be like, oh, okay, I'm attacking uh, the person that's recording, and then it goes down. But you can't really dictate which way it's going to go. And it, it's, it kind of feels balanced. Like, I'm not just throwing Pokeballs at it and all the best. It's like, okay, I've got ways to increase the chances, but there's ways to decrease the chances. But it's kind of interesting in that kind of sense. But I don't know whether it's a percentage. I'm just really lucky in this game. But it's been, like, a lot of, like, I try to catch it and it only goes recorded and it goes up to 30%. And then it's like, oh, you caught it. And I'm like, mm, I've done like six of those 30 percenters in a row. What's going on here? I, I, I don't want to go too far because I am halfway through this game and I'll probably come back to it next week. But it does have a problem with sort of like uh, quest direction. I'm kind of stuck on. I, I know where to go to do a quest. I just don't know what the main quest is because it gives you like four of them to do at once, uh, which because I've done a bunch of side quests, I'm like really overleveled for like all the wild sort of beasts roaming around, but then I'll encounter a ranger and it seems like those positions, they, they scale, but they'll be, they'll scale up, I think, but they will be four or five levels below me. And that seems a bit weird. There's a whole bunch of like weird angel things that are just sort of like super boss battles and those can get really difficult. But yeah, and they've got like weird overworld things as well. So for, for example, going back to Bulletino, if because I've recorded a Bulletino, I get like an overworld power to like run really fast and to shoot myself into... <laughs> into like rocks and stuff to break it uh, and that's pretty cool but there's no real um you don't know what's going to give you a power or not like it's i don't know how many powers there are like there's a, a hang glider type of thing there's a bullet thing there's a magnet thing that i've got and it's like I, oh i didn't know that recording this was going to give me something so it's sort of encouraging you to record as many as you can but then sometimes it's like recording for the sake of recording like it's i've got my favorites and that's kind of it and one last thing before i go it's very interesting on how you can evolve so the experience is split uh, sort of two ways. There's the experience that your character gets, and that's the main level. But each cassette can be rated up to five stars. And after it gets a certain experience, it'll like star up, for instance. And then once it hits five stars, you have to go back to camp and rest, and then that evolves it. And that's kind of interesting as in like you don't, just because you get a new cassette beast doesn't mean you have to spend time leveling it up because your character is already 32 like level 32, for example, and that carries it over with your own sort of base stats. Uh, it's kind of a unique way to do it, and I do really like it because sometimes I'll pick something up and whoa, that's a really cool one. Like, I want to use this one. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. The soundtrack is phenomenal. It's fantastic. I am having some really weird performance issues with it as well, like to the point where like, like if I enter a cave or I exit a building, like the loading times would be like 10 seconds. And considering this is like a 2.5D game, uh, it's on the Xbox Series X, like it just it's such a long time to load. Like it, was, it probably takes longer to load than Starfield does. And I'm like, that's really, it's, it's just awkward and abrupt. And I'm just not a big fan of it. Uh, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of the 2.5D diorama art style for it, but uh, it's growing on me the more I play it. So I hated it when I first started it and I'm getting warming up to it. So I'm, I might finish it off, like finish reviewing it uh, next week, but it's probably an eight out of 10 so far. Like it's, it's a, it's a definite check it out if you're a fan of like the, the monster taming sort of genre um but if you're not really a big fan of them it doesn't really do anything new but yeah and it's on game pass as well so game pass chads cannot stop winning all right cool i can't wait to hear about what cassette beast you want to turn into next week oh, a mascrati
it's a mascot. It's a rat on top of like a. Ah, you were caught. Patrick was just outing you as a furry. Ah. I, I, I was about to have so much respect for you if you said you're a rat, but you're controlling Linguini from the hit film Ratatouille. Ah, that'd be funnier. <laughs> but uh, that's disappointing. Anyway, um, I guess that's the end for Run the Lunch for this week. Thank you to you both, as always. Um, not thanking you for running this fucking podcast without me. That still hurts and smarts. And we told you, you said it was fine as long as Demon did it post. Will, did he host? Yeah, I did. I really good. So it's it. not fine, Seth. <laughs> Look, I tried, but he kind of like he tied me into a corner and then started, so I just had to roll with it. What a weird way of phrasing that sentence. Um, <laughs> I was gagged. <laughs> All right, knock it off. It wasn't yeah, like commercial. <laughs> it wasn't even my own sock that he used. <laughs> Got to commercial. <laughs> it wasn't even for the podcast. He just wanted you gagged. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, we uh, have, have finished our part one for this week, which means we have to move on to part two for this week, which is, of course, the news. Um, and, oh, shit, sorry, sorry, no. Um, Steve handed me a note in the break that said I need to do, like, a corporate spot. We've got corporate sponsors now, or sponsorship segment. Um, I am cutting all just... of this out. <laughs> we are not doing that I'm gonna, again. I want to reference it midway to the news thing, um, so you can cut it out. Or if people okay. just think I'm just unhinged. <clears throat> I, I have the sponsor in front of me. Episode 90, 98 of the Fast Travel Lounge is brought to you by Steve's Ball Gags. There's only one size Seth mouth size, but they have excellent meth feel and they are machine washable. So if you want to get a Seth Ball Gag of your own, head down, down to stevesexdungeon.com and use promo code FTL for 69% off in the checkout. That's uh, promo code FTL at stevesexdungeon.com. Thank you very much for the sponsorship, Stephen. Um, very, very big of you. Uh, Fun fact, I'm still not getting paid the, for that. <laughs> can't wait for the merch drop of the cat ears, which I've heard is coming late fall 2024. Anyway, that's C-U-M-M-I-N-G. <laughs> yes, it Don't you is. have a segue to do? You've got your job. <laughs> Let me do mine. <laughs> uh, first up in the, in the news stories to get through today. Uh, oh, boy. It is going to be... Uh, it's going to be a rough one. All right. Um, so we have news about the uh, tr- Under Night 2 beta, which I, I know nothing about. Uh, wh- what is this? Uh, yeah, Under Night is one of the more popular anime fighters that are out there. I believe it was a main uh, stage. That would be why I don't know about this. <laughs> I believe it was a main stage Evo game uh, this Mark, year or last Mark year, Systems actually. Game. Fucking hell. Uh, no, it's published by Arc System, but it's by developer French Bread. Um, oh, oh, oh. They, they, do, they do. They're like one of the last holdouts of um, sprite-based games at the moment. And their, their sprite work is really fantastic as well. Um, Undernight's a really fun game. Uh, Undernight 2 has been long anticipated. And yeah, they're just doing a beta for it on November 17 to 20, which I think... Is around the same time that Granblue was doing their beta. I need to double check that. Interesting. Uh, is this uh, something that you're interested in, Seth? Yeah, very, very interested in this. I, I've now that I now that I'm done, um, Mario and Spider Man. I've got a lot of free time actually to just try these sort of things out. And no, double check that Granblue is November nine to November twelve. So it's this week. Mm, is that something you're interested in? And actually, yeah. I realize. 
we're going to end up saying November 9th to 12th and chances are people hearing this, it'll be well past that yeah, date. Anyway, I, I talked but... about this beta <laughs> happening last week. So last week's episode is out ah, okay. now. So they, they, every, if, if you've listened, you've got, you know, you've got a heads up now. Um, and the Grand Blue one is a cross play one as well. So yeah, I'm interested in that. I'll probably download it on both Steam and PS5 and just see how it performs on both my machines and make a decision on which platform to buy it on there. Nice. Uh, and much like deciding which king of consoles you have, uh, there's some king of fighters news, uh, some DLC perhaps. Yeah. Uh, um, something that you, you want to talk us through this one. You're basically going to be talking about all the fighting game stuff. I'm so out of the loop on this. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly run through them all uh, back to back then. Um, I think it was last week as well. We talked about Hinako uh, Shijo being, um, being teased. Uh, she's a high schooler. That's, teased? Oh, that's bullying. She, she was, <laughs> the trailer was literally just her being bullied. No, she's bullying other people. Actually, like she's just forcing her will against them. Um, yeah, she's she's a small petite high school girl that does um sumo. Sure. Uh, so it, it's uh-huh. like yeah, it's a, a character and fighting style that you don't uh, anticipate together, which makes it like a really fun combination. And yeah, she's been missing for a long time, so. Everyone's excited for her to come back, and they just announced uh, she's going to be releasing November 14 with a new gameplay trailer for her to just see how she plays. And she looks fun. Gonna gonna have to jump into KO 15 for that sometime as well. Uh, next up, oh. next up, Mortal Kombat 1 uh, announced that Omni Man is going to be coming out November Ooh. 9th uh, for Combat Pack owners, and in November 16 for everyone to just just play through and buy him. Yeah, they, they also dropped a gameplay trailer for him, more extended. He looks fan fucking tastic. I'm Yeah. I'm pretty and I'm pretty excited to give him a try. Like I, I'm not big on the Mortal Kombat style of games, but Omni Man was one of the characters I've wanted to try when he got announced, so I'll definitely give him a go. See how that So do you, do you actually have Mortal Kombat 1? My brother has it. I think he has a combat pass, so I'm just going to do like the Steam Library chair chair to try oh, it out. Okay. Yeah, because I, I'm I'm in a, a similar boat of like I I enjoy the occasional Mortal Kombat game and I think I own one of the games on one of the platforms. It's all a bit of a blur, but yeah, Omni Man, and then uh, knowing that one of the follow ups is also Homelander somewhere in the pipeline, I am tempted on the strength of Omni Man alone to just straight up buy Mortal Kombat One <laughs> yeah. if I knew that I would have the time to play it. Of of all of the fighting games, Mortal Kombat is like my least favorite. Um, but yeah, Omni Man is strong enough to make me go, yeah, no, I'm going to give this a try. Mm. Especially having uh, having like, why am I already fucking blanked on his name? J. Jonah Jameson. It is J. Jonah Jameson. Okay, yeah, why I was um, second guessing myself. But like to have him actually just fucking back in the studio voicing the character for Mortal Kombat rather than just reusing lines. Yeah, no, oh. they actually got his voice actor in um, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, yeah, yes. Him, yeah. That's who's who's J. Jonah James? That, that's one of his characters, right? Yeah, he's a Daily Bugle uh, president. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want pictures of Spider Man. That's him. Can't believe, like, I, I heard the J and I'm like, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about it a bit more. I'm like, no, J.K. Wait, Simmons. No, that, to, that to be sounds... fair, J.K. Simmons is just Jameson at this point. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure the that's comics true. have just made him Jameson as well. I do also appreciate oh. that um, uh, Domini Man's Fatality is just the train sequence from Invincible. Yeah. Except it, since it's not Mark, they actually do die to the train. Um, it's Steven Rant time. This is, so this game came out like literally six weeks ago. It's got like a whole, the first DLC is coming out like now or next week. 
And but you get it early if you bought the combat pack. What the fuck? Like, oh god damn it! And people are just doing this. I hate fighting games so much. What a shitty monetization. But obviously, the character was ready to go at release, but he's included in release. I guess they got to make money, but I don't like it. That's why yeah. Stephen ran. I think. Um, I think every time we saw Street Fighter came out like a month after that game launched. A month. Gusting. Like whatever. Okay, counterpoint, counterpoint. No. It's (laughs) fine, just fucking move on then. Okay, which counterpoint? I feel bad. (laughs) Well, is that defend um, the billion dollar corporation? (laughs) Yeah, here we go. Um, no, is that uh because it's such an obvious DLC character type. Right, like I, I get the issues with like having it a week early if you're on like combat pass and all that stuff. But in terms of being a DLC character versus just being ready to release day one, it would seem kind of weird to me if your Mortal Kombat game, which is what are we calling it, like not a reboot, like a restart because it's Mortal Kombat one, if it has all the characters you know and love, it's and also as part of yeah, and and also as part of the core roster, it just has Omni Man from a different franchise. Like that would seem kind of odd to me if that was just like base game included. So I mean, Mortal Kombat Nine had Kratos in it, and and that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that, that that's not a reason to continue the trend, Seth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying I, I, that shit's weird too. It just feels like six weeks later. With fighting games, it's one of those things where where do you draw the line? Because at this point. Fighting games are games as a service, and they've just always got characters in the pipeline to keep games going for the entire console generation. So, you know what? Put Minecraft some, Steven. At some point, they yeah, that that works. That works really well for Smash. It actually broke Twitter. Um, yeah. So at some point, they need to <laughs> release Twitter? the game. And, yeah. and anyway. it's just like that point of they they've always got things in development to keep the game alive and. Even though it is quick, it's like, yeah, they they kind of have to be quick because they don't want to lose the player base too much. So, yes, that, that is my defending the billion dollar corporation yeah. moment. Been, it's been six weeks. I, I don't know. As someone who doesn't play fighting games. Um, like- six weeks is a long time for fighting games. People drop mm-hmm. off yeah. fast. And that's why they're yeah. doing Omni-Man first, because he's a mm-hmm. character that will keep casual players around. True. And introduce casual players like me. Um, anyway, part of my French, I agree with Steve, it is a bit bullshit, but uh, speaking of French, Tekken 8 is getting French with the addition of Victor Chevalier. Yep. Why is 6 scared of 7? <laughs> you know the, the, the crazy part? You've, you've made that joke three times. I, I did not think you had it in you to make a callback to a <laughs> Why is 6 afraid of 7 joke three <laughs> times in this episode. And it he, he fucked them up every time as well. <laughs> Uh, it's it's genuinely impressive how I, I guess just like <laughs> oh, oh, so good. But yeah, good old Victor here is a brand new character for the um for the Tekken franchise. He is also being played by and modeled after a popular French actor. Um, give me one second to get uh, voiced by Vincent Cass- uh, Cassel. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that he's in. I think he's like literally just for French movies, but. Yeah, they. It, it's it's pretty interesting that they got like a big name to try and make this a bigger character. Um, does he um just, as soon as he walk in, does he just surrender or something? <laughs> Unfortunately not. He's like he he is a CIA agent mixed with Sam from Metal Gear Rising. Oh, hang on. So yeah, he looks really interesting. He's doing a lot of um future tech moves and like close combat knife combos. He's also got a katana to use. 
and a gun. Uh, he looks pretty dang sick. I think this is like their way of trying to keep some of the work they did on Noctis in Tekken 7 around in this game. Oh yeah, Noctis in Tekken 7. Yeah, that, that was a really weird one too. So yeah, uh, if this is their way of keeping some of Noctis' moveset in the game, I'm kind of happy with that because I did enjoy Noctis in Tekken 7. Hmm. And yeah, in- interesting seeing him. He looks fun. The last character they're announcing for Tekken 7 is going to be announced in a week as well. And then we'll do the thing in like two months where Steven hates it and we start talking about the season pass for this game. Yep. I'm already ready. Put it in the chamber. Speaking of chambers, Remnant 2 is getting some DLC. Uh, the Awakened King launching November 14. Um, oh man, I'm just back on my Segway game today. Fuck yes. Anyway. Uh, so you have no idea how much I miss them. <laughs> mm. um, th- this looks interesting. So uh, Remnant 2, I talked about how uh, it was a game that I initially didn't really get and then I really fell in love with and then had to physically stop myself from wasting all my time on it. Uh, and now I'm... <laughs> I'm, uh, you, you know that that uh, Lois Griffin meme with the bottle of pills on the table, and she's eyeing it up, like seeing the DLC is announced, and then it's coming out next week. That that's me. I'm now Lois Griffin looking at that pill bottle. Um, but this is adding a bunch of stuff, uh, adding a new area, uh, so basically new location, which means new dungeons, um, more equipment, unexpected allies, face new threats. And eventually you're going to find and defeat the one true king. So uh, I'm very excited by this. I haven't even finished my second playthrough of Remnant 2. I've been, um, I've, I've been, You've been uh, verbally, well, not even that. I've been verbally contracted into not playing it until uh, a friend of mine get, picks it up on what will hopefully for the both of us be some kind of sale coming up soon because I really want to get back into playing it. Uh, and somewhat understandably, uh, my mate doesn't want me to become too crazy overleveled for when he eventually picks it up and plays it. So we'll see if I can keep true to my word. But yeah, I, I think I knew that there was Remnant DLC coming. I didn't realize that, oh, I guess with Japan, that was three weeks, but didn't realize that it would be this soon. Because uh, I, I mean, it released June, July, I think. Around that time, I think, yeah. I, I want to say July. Anyway, um, it also mentions that this will be uh, that there will be three downloadable content packs, uh, and and that uh, this is the first one. So makes me excited. If if well, <laughs> I have the biggest cross fingers right now. But assuming that this isn't a um, uh, Tiny Tina's uh, Wonderlands DLC thing of here's your oh, new area. You got about that. Your favorite DLC of last year. It is. It, it really is. The fact that they say new storyline and new dungeons alone makes me think it'll be better received than that. Probably, but all, all I'm saying is the only thing they introduced in the Tiny Tina's Wonderlands DLC was technically new dungeons, which came with some new equipment. So hopefully the new story means that it won't be that. And honestly, the quality of Remnant 2 makes me think that it won't be like that anyway. But yeah, I'm excited I've, and we'll yeah, probably I, pull the trigger on the three content packs. I imagine the excitement also increases because you kind of went through the entire game not getting Remnant 2 until right at the end and now you're replaying it. But like this is going to be fresh content where you're like, OK, I'm really digging into Remnant 2 now and it's new things to go through with that kind of joy of the game rather so than replaying what? the game. So I, I agree with you, but you, you, you know where you're wrong on that, Sev? And this is, this is part of me not really understanding Remnant 2 until after I finish the first playthrough. I haven't explored even half of the content of the game Ooh. despite finishing a playthrough. So th- this is what blew my mind. Um, 
go back to uh, one of the episodes where I talk about Remnant 2, but one of the reasons why I finally clicked with it after the first playthrough was that you go through it and there's a whole bunch of different areas uh, which you, you unlock. You unlock a couple of them sequentially and then it's like, okay, which area do you want to go and explore? And so uh, I, I did that. I, I went into, let's just, I, I've already forgotten the names of the areas and stuff, so let's just say one of the areas. Went into one of the areas, this is on the first playthrough, um, went through it, uh, went through all the dungeons, fought a couple mini bosses, and then fought the final boss of the area. And I went, okay, I understand how this area works. That's cool. Um, th that's fine. Whatever. Uh, and so then, uh, my assumption was that the procedurally generated bits were the dungeons between the start point and the 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 final boss that you fought at the end. That was that was my mistake. Uh, on the second playthrough, I I saw none of the same content in that same area. <laughs> It was because yeah, it was randomly generated. I can't, I can't remember your review. Uh, uh, so, so they they um, procedurally generate the uh, pathways through the area, but I believe the set pieces themselves are, are set in stone. So think of it more as uh, I assumed that it was always the same final boss of the area. There's probably about three final bosses, and it's RNG as to which one you get when you when you play through a particular area. So, uh, okay. Um, me now understanding Remnant and enjoying Remnant is now me, un unless I get bad RNG and I experience the same uh, sequence as I did before, which sounds very unlikely based on what I read around online, I will effectively be doing a another playthrough one just on different RNG content. So, the beauty of DLC like this is that, assuming that it's a world like the ones that are currently in the game, uh, I will be able to go through and play this DLC as part of uh, this current playthrough, which is playthrough two. And then when I inevitably do a playthrough three to experience more of the content and possibly playthrough four or five or however long until I start getting the recycled content, I'm assuming this DLC will also have different um, experiences each time that you play through it. Play through it. Really, really, like it was such a, a mind fuck when I was in the same area and just went, I don't recognize any of this. And then I went and fought a boss that I'd never fought before on the previous playthrough. I was like, okay, I didn't fuck up the first playthrough. We're good. I can just re-experience it now and enjoy it. And oh man, the the, the lowest Griffin pill bottle is starting to shake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she she getting close. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, one of the previous episodes has me talking about Remnant. I'm sure. That I'm hoping it goes on sale soon so that I can pick this DLC up and play through it with my friends so I can talk about it on here again because it is one of the highlight games of, of 2023 for me. Anyway, not going to make the rest of this new section about Remnant 2. Instead, uh, I'm going to put the remnants of how good that game is behind us and we're going to talk about Pokemon. Steve, this is for you. Yay, Pokemon. Um, so they, for some reason, uh, they announced the, the newest DLC, The Hidden Treasure of Area Zero, Part 2, the Indigo Disc. Um, they literally just Drop the release date, uh, which comes out the 14th of December. Um, they didn't really make a big deal out of this, like the last DLC. This does build on the last DLC, the Teal Mask. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot uh, of people online making a big deal about having to finish the game and the first DLC to play the second DLC when it's kind of a narrative thing. And yeah, you want, and you want it doesn't, to go through them both. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, you're not going to, uh, as fun as it is, I don't like starting up a new game and being like, you know what I want to do? The second DLC first. Like, it doesn't make sense. And narratively, they had been building it up uh, from the first DLC. So it makes sense. Finish the base game before you do all this kind of stuff. Because probably, and all the rumors and leaks and stuff going around um, might change a couple things around. So that could be very interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopefully it comes out 
Actually, with question, a lot more stuff. Question, Stephen. Um, oh, here it comes. Do you need to buy the DLC separately for Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, or do you just buy the DLC and you can get it? Uh, you can play it with either game. Are you fucking serious? This is a Pokemon game. What do you think? You're lucky you're not buying it for like a third version. Um, yeah, you go. <laughs> you, so you, you have, have to, to buy. You have to the, buy it for, for your neighbor for for it to unlock for you. You can only if you've got. You need to get because essentially there's two versions of the DLC, even though like this one form change, it's nothing different. We either get the Pokemon Scarlet DLC or you get the Pokemon Violet DLC. They're the same yeah, fucking yeah. thing, though. I it's hate, a scam. I hate that. I was thinking of doing a new game, um, a new game run, but doing Pokemon Violet to get some of the Violet Pokemon I still need to get and just kind of do a fresh run of the uh, Paldea games again. But I don't want to buy two separate versions of the DLC, even though I don't buy new <laughs> Even though in the end I probably will end up doing that, and I'll need to do that for Sword and Shield at some point as well. I'm begging you, don't do it. That's you. <laughs> it's and it's that it's that kind of thing which makes them keep. I don't know what it is with Pokey fans getting brainwashed with like, oh, there's two versions. They got to buy two versions. They're the same fucking game. Um, oh, there's two DLCs. Got to buy two DLCs. So what the DLC? I, I think is so. So the way I get around the two versions thing is that I I literally just buy the second version for my other brothers that also play Pokemon. So we yeah, we, okay, we have yeah. two copies in the in the house, but they, we are doing them like separately. Like there's a reason to have two copies of Pokemon in the house. Uh, you don't really need it though with like Switch profiles and stuff now, but I guess that's kind. My of- brother has his own Switch. He's got like a Switch Lite that he uses. He comes up, he gets the cartridge, and off he goes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, that that kind of makes sense because it's two different people. But, like the people that buy like two different versions just for themselves. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, they complain about, about trade Pokemon and having to buy two separate versions when it's literally just a brother in Christ. It's, it's, the whole point is you trade with your friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and my brother in Christ, because you are buying two versions, you are contributing to the problem. Like it's, yeah, a full, a Pokemon fan and their money are easily parted. Says the guy that pays $15 to come last in a tournament. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 14th of December, lock it in, babies. Christmas is coming early. All right, cool. Steve, I have, I have a question for you. Here it comes. Why was six afraid of seven? Oh, that was actually a good one because it was November 7th, which means it was Mass Effect Day and it seven. It was. Wow. Yeah, best, best segue of the night, honestly. Honestly, um, yeah. yeah. And, a bit scared and... of it, though. <laughs> Being a seven myself. Yeah, no, it, it then went and, and, and eight, nine. It was, it was terrifying. Anyway, uh, yeah, so end seven day, uh, which is, is uh, of course, yesterday meant that we got a, a, a little teaser, uh, a little aperitif of, uh, of, of the new Mass Effect game, which they announced all the way back in 2020. Yeah. Ages um, ago. Yeah. And it's basically been radio silence since. Uh, there's uh, a little smattering of bits and pieces. Um, so we have some Mass Effect trilogy veterans uh, working on it. Also that, uh, this is all rehashing old news, but... Um, veteran narrative director Mari Demery, uh, the writer behind the modern Deus Ex games, um, doing the story for the next Mass Effect. Uh, of course, we also talked about how they're laying off uh, roughly 50 people. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens there. And of course, they've got Dragon Age Dreadwolf in the, um, in the pipeline as well. So not really a huge amount of info to, to kind of get hyped about, but it's more, it's, it's on the radar and, and things are happening behind the scenes. So that, that makes me excited. Another um, more inflammatory still- question, question for Steven. When was the last time Bioware made a good game? Uh, great question, Seth. They made the Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition. Uh, that came out three years ago, I believe. 
That um that doesn't count. That's a re-release of old games. But do they make it? Yeah, they made those games like Yeah, okay, there we go. Ago. Fantastic. We're done here. We pack her up, fellas. We're done. We got him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Okay. We got him. Second, also more inflammatory question. Are Bioware fans just setting themselves up for disappointment? Oh, this game's not coming out for like another 10 years. I don't, everyone's literally just jacking themselves <laughs> off over nothing. Um, for, for a still image. Um, and a walk cycle. Yeah. It, I, I will admit, it does look fucking cool. <laughs> it looks very, very cool. The, there's something the, the space Tron Legacy it. style clothing. Yeah. Just the sleekness of it. It looks very fucking cool. Will I buy a jacket like that when it comes out? <laughs> uh, He'll buy yeah, a jacket, but he won't buy the Starfield skateboard. I don't skate. I wear jackets. Now, if they made a, um, a jacket that was a skateboard, now, don't need my money anymore. No one I? rides skateboards anymore. They just hang them on their walls. I did get a fucking picture for that. It's like a picture of the skateboard and print it out. <laughs> I'll cut out the blank thing, the blank thing around it. Um, but yeah, I- I'm excited for this. Every now and then I feel like I want to go back to Mass Effect Andromeda. But I had such a shit time, shit time with it. I don't want to. Apparently, it's like they sort of fix up the performance issues, but the game overall is just very half baked. Yeah, I've I've heard that too. I'm in a similar boat. I have it on. Um, I was going to say Origin, whatever it's called now, EA Game App or whatever they wanted to rename it to. Um, EA Play. X but for Origin. But actually. I guess, r- random tangent, uh, PC broke uh, two weeks before I left for Japan. Still broken and probably needs a new oh, PS. Oh, no way. You went to Japan? Yeah, actually, well, actually you know what? Um, now that you mentioned it, I did. I did. Um, anyway. You yeah, no, um, seven? <laughs> uh, there were so many 7-Elevens. You would not believe it. Um, but how anyway, many 9-11s uh, were there? We're moving on. Um, <laughs> So we move it on uh, quickly. We we move it on very quickly. Uh, before Fast the second even. point, no, um, the um, the uh, assuming that it is a PSU issue, I'm I'll, I'll get a new PSU and then eventually be able to use my PC again, which is basically just a glorified monster hunter gaming rig at the moment. But um, Andromeda existing on that computer does also strike me as every so often thinking maybe I should give that game a go, but never really gotten around to it. It's never been high enough up the priority list. Plus, I, I don't know if I told you guys, I picked up Titanfall 2 on sale on PS5 before I left, which I am intending to replay through because Titanfall 2 is also on the dead PC. And I do, more than Andromeda, want to replay through the single player of Titanfall 2. I think that might have been one of the last things you talked about on the podcast before you left. Probably was. Uh, it's all a if, bit of a blur. If not, then maybe you mention it off podcast, but like, the d- a day we were recording. Anyway, uh, moving on from uh, N7, uh, living in... in the, you know what? No, segue failed. Sonic Dream Team has been announced for Apple Arcade, which is interesting. I don't know... I uh, really sure don't even the... know what Apple Arcade is. It is... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's basically just subscription. The, yeah, it's the Apple subscription service where you can we play We got Game games. Pass on iPhone. Yeah, iPhone, iPad, Macs. Oh, yeah, iPad. Yeah, um, so it's it's yeah. very weird that there's a Sonic game coming exclusively to Apple Arcade. Ian Flynn, the current writers writer of the Sonic games, uh, retweeted something that was implying that they're not locked exclusively to Apple Arcade through any contracts. Like they could still release it on like PC. Just I don't think other platforms. Hmm. 
But yeah, so maybe this will come to other things eventually down the line. I'm not putting my hopes too high on that. Um, but yeah, this kind of looks, this looks pretty interesting. It's a um, new 3D kind of like open area game uh, where you get to control multiple characters. Uh, kind of has a Sonic Lost World um, aesthetic to it. Just, just kind of looks neat. They haven't shown too much for it at the moment. Are you gonna um, get? I don't, have, I don't have a. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't have a. I don't have an current Apple product with high enough specs to play these sort of games. I think. Okay, so hear me out. Apple Arcade, not that expensive, so it probably offsets the cost of a new uh, hyper spec iPhone, right? No. <laughs> Maybe if I get an iPhone on a phone plan, but I'm very happy with my current phone plan and phone. What if Steve Sex Dungeon sponsored you? <laughs> I told you before, I don't get money off of that sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, you don't pay with your money. <laughs> I pay with my dignity. Yeah, that's also worthless, though. Yeah, I was going to say, short supply. Uh, anyway, anything more to say about this? Nah. Just kind of neat. Um, I probably won't play it because I don't have anything I can play it, but... Um, it's a 3D Sonic. Huge. Yeah, yeah. it's a yeah, 3D but- open area game. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll probably just end up watching it myself and then not talk about it ever. Maybe don't... Just don't watch it then. I still want... I, I'm a big enough Sonic fan that I'll still want to see what the game's doing. What the game doing? Well, I'll I tell you what, <laughs> what Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is doing, which is releasing oh. more DLC. Which, uh, did which not think m- they had it in them. Which also means that you've got to set up another work tournament. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the work tournament do? <laughs> <laughs> um, not very valid, though. I actually don't know if people ended up playing. I don't think we played DLC tracks as part of the tournament rounds, but people, I definitely saw people playing the, um, the DLC rounds just for funsies and friendlies afterwards. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> If you happen to be at my work and also listen to this, which is probably zero overlap, um, let me know. Uh, we can set up, <laughs> set up another tournament. Yeah, what, what, have, what have we actually got in this one? The Acorn yeah. Cup and the Spiny Cup, which... It's just a couple more just, courses. Yeah, no more, funny DLC more tracks. These, these are all old returning tracks. There's a couple of Mario Kart circuit tracks I won't mention, but they've also got some um, GameCube DK Mountains back. Wii Daisy Circuits, 3DS Rosalina Ice World, SNES Bowser Castle, and the big one for a lot of people, uh, Wii Rainbow Road. And with with this pack, this is the um the last of the Mario Kart 8 DLC. They they are they all say until they release more. Uh, yeah, they, they're all wrapped up with this game until they decide they want they want Mario Kart 8 to live another decade. <laughs> Mario Kart 8 for the Switch. Very keen. I mean, hey, you, you joke that is probably is someone at Nintendo was writing that down. And on the same page that they're writing that down on, uh, there's a little note above that says we should make a live action Zelda movie. And you know what? Holy shit. I think they're doing it. They, they are doing it. I hate Twitter for constantly spamming. They want Tom Holland to play Link. That is a horrible <laughs> casting choice. There's literally like, what, 8 billion people in the planet now. I'm sure I can find someone better than Tom Holland. Got to find Nicholas Cage. Better. Ooh. Chris Pratt. Pedro Pascal. Hold on. You got something going there. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, it's Zelda, but I mean, I oh, guess yeah. you can play Link I as mean, well. It's Ganon. Uh, Tom Holland as Ganon would be funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be interesting. I wouldn't mind that. Oh, sorry, I meant, I meant as. Uh, I'm very looking. I don't know where I'm going anymore with this. Um, I, I don't know what this movie looks like. I, I probably would have preferred an animated one, like in the Mario movie type of aspect, as opposed to a. 
watch Majiga, a live action movie, but here we go, I guess. Yeah, I, I would have preferred the same thing. Um, just, just a couple of notes. They've got um, Avi Arad is going to be producing the movie and he's kind of got a hit or miss uh, history in the industry. Like he's made some good decisions as a producer. He's made some god awful decisions as a producer. So that could go either way. Apparently the writers attached to the movie are also all involved with really bad projects. <laughs> But Miyamoto hey, is also hey. on there to oversee the projects. And and a weird one, Sony Pictures Entertainment is going to be distributing the movie. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, just, just a weird note there that Sony and Nintendo are going to be collab- collaborating for the Zelda movie. Yeah, there's does no timeline mean, or anything, is there? It's coming to PS5. <laughs> no. Sony Pictures and Sony Computer Entertainment are two completely different departments. So you're saying PS5 there's a chance. chance. <laughs> I'm saying there's zero chance. <laughs> it is not zero. Um, not no, unless that's Nintendo gets absorbed by Sony. Mm, hold on. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no. Uh, looks interesting. I don't know. Uh, I, this is currently in the we wait and see camp. Uh, we'll wait and see more before before I have any hard um, uh, opinions on it. Not not yeah. ruling it out, but also. There's, I agree. Like, there's, there's so much room for error with being a live action movie versus an animated series. But I think it falls in that camp of like Nintendo would make sure this doesn't turn out bad. Like the Mario the movie, thing. it's too important for them to let it turn out bad. If there's two things we know about Nintendo, it's that they hate yeah. their fans, and yeah. I, I forget what the second one is, but the movie should be fine. <laughs> um, speaking of Nintendo, but, uh, I don't know. Who, who do we think should play Link before we move on? I thought we just threw out a whole bunch of names. Nicholas Were you not being Cage. serious with your picks? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I guess. I, yeah. I think I expected someone that would. I'd be like, oh wow, yeah, hundred percent. That's right. Jim yeah, Carrey. Nicholas Cage. How many fucking times do we have to tell you? Did you say Jim Carrey? Ross from Friends. Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Definitely can't be Chandler from Friends. Ah, uh, uh, huge, absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, Elijah Wood. Oh. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Wait, he, 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 would, he played a hobbit, not an elf. Um, uh, Orlando the guy Bloom. who played... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Ooh. Hold on. Let him cook. You, you, you know what, though? It, it is the sort of role that I reckon if someone went the to... The Rock that, is Ganondorf, you're right. <laughs> the Rock is the horse. <laughs> um, no, if, if, if someone went to... Don't dirty um, like that. <laughs> Uh, someone went to Daniel Radcliffe or his agent with the script. I reckon he'd do it. Yeah, I think he would. I'm not saying he's the right choice. I'm just saying he'd do it. Uh, who, do, do you have anyone in mind, Steve? Seems like you're the one interested. Uh, in no, I, absolutely not. Robert um, Pattinson. Uh, Adam Sandler. <laughs> um, the guy, the main character from June, maybe. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, that's his name. Timothy Camembert. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's been played, played out a little too long. We should move on. Yeah, sorry, you're we, right. We, yeah. we should, but I think Timothy Chalamet, like, I, I was actually trying to think, for some reason I only remembered his name as the guy from Dune. I was trying to think, because he's also the new Willy Wonka, and I was trying to think of the guy who plays the new Willy Wonka could actually unironically be a decent link. And thank you for that, Steve. Bloody single brain cell happening. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet, actually kind of a potential. Anyway, yeah, speaking cook. of Nintendo and cooking, no, nothing about cooking. We have more titles being released from the, the you know what I'm trying to speak and read at the same time I don't know what the fuck the second article's about someone help me out 
Oh, this um, this other Nintendo one. Yeah, what, hang on, what, what are they saying here? Nintendo to continue to release new titles for Switch without being bound by the traditional concept of the platform lifecycle. Yeah. So they're just embracing tradition and rejecting modernity by saying we're not going to no, make a sequel to the Switch. They're rejecting tradition by saying that, um, they, they will continue supporting the Switch for a while to come. I don't think this has anything to do with Switch 2 or... This was basically set at an investor meeting and the Switch is still doing really well. So they're just cozying up the investors by saying, yeah, the Switch is still doing really well. We have no plans to drop it. And yeah, so we don't have any insights of what will happen with the next Switch. But if you own a Switch right now, then you'll probably still get support for a few more years, which kind of happens with console generations anyway. There's like one or two years where there's a crossover period. Nintendo usually drops the old console right away for the new one. So maybe they're going to do what the other platform holders do and they do some cross-gen titles before fully committing to the next console. I'd like them to do that, but yeah. <laughs> the second the Switch 2 comes out, what do you mean? We don't make Switch games. Never have, never will. <laughs> uh, it's really, I don't know, every, every so often it, it just it hits me that I have, that I, I still have and actively use a Switch that I went to the midnight release for to get back in 20... Ooh, 15, is that right? No, 2017. Sick, no, I think it was... No, no fourth 20. year. You're right. No, 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 you're, you're all right. It would, it would have been 2017. Yeah, I also have a launch model, but I didn't get it myself. It's kind of like swapped hands a few times. Um, Our buddy Jake... Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> Our buddy Jake had it for Zelda, and then after finishing Breath of the Wild, he, he didn't have a reason to own it anymore. So <laughs> he, he sold it to uh, Lexi and then Lexi sold it to me. What an absolutely unhinged thing to do. Um, because you finish one game and there's like, okay, I don't want to play with you anymore. What a weird thing to do. What do you mean? That, that would be the only way that I'd buy an Xbox. They made their money back on it. Yeah, I guess. Wow. So. Actually, I don't think it was like full price back, but they, they got, <laughs> I think in the end it was like, if you, if you totaled it, it probably was only like $50 spent. <laughs> Imagine, imagine, like you sell it as Jake used the switch, and he sells it for more than he bought it for. I don't think, I don't think Jake would uh, increase value. I think it's an actual. I have to pay to get rid of it. (laughs) Grim. He also has to pay to deep clean all the ports. Anyway, (laughs) um, moving on. Speaking of someone that has to pay, oh, facing hard time paying for their crimes. Um, Eugene Nakov. No, as, as, as well, Yuji <laughs> Naka, yes, but um, SBF found guilty. Basically, nothing else to say. Just aha, Crypto King in the toilet. Good luck. Only, like only, funny, meme, only funny meme that I saw coming out of that. Uh, the find someone who looks at you the way the, court, the, the courtroom artist looks at Sam Bankman Freed. <laughs> Don't know if you guys saw that. Ah, uh, yeah, he, he the, looks the like most, Chad. Yeah. yeah, the most chatted up um, uh, person on the stand. And then you, you look at what the image uh, of, of his um, ex girlfriend, um, the. I've forgotten her name, the Harry Potter fan that was running the other research arm, but uh, she looks absolutely terrible in, in art room, in courtroom picture form. So um, it's just, it's just funny uh, looking at, looking at the comparison. Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, epic wins, Elon Musk uh, just absolutely killing it for, for X, formerly known as Twitter, by uh, finally being released from the shackles of having people on PlayStation being able to use uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, long time coming, but finally got rid of Sony. This is kind of this kind of sucks. I I know both of you guys don't really care for the share feature in consoles that are out there now. I hate it. I hate it so much. 
but the share feature has been a a benefit to the industry in general. Like uh, Stephen and I were talking about the Yakuza series last week, and Yakuza got the big Western boon again because of the share button. It, it would not be back really? in as oh. big as it is now if it wasn't for people playing the the PS4 versions and sharing screenshots and videos and just generally getting clips and screenshots out there to spread awareness of those games. Oh. And, and there's a bunch of other small titles that kind of see those benefits as well from the share button. So, yeah, sucks that this is going away because Elon Musk is a genius and put <laughs> a massive fee on the API so everyone is leaving. All I'm saying is, it's some five-dimensional chess or something. You just you, you're not smart enough to see the grand plan. I'm not. Trust the process. But, but that grand plan also involves every single one of these statements going and saying we're le- uh, integration with X in brackets, formerly known as Twitter, every <laughs> single time. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't really have anything more to talk about that. Nah, I I don't. It it just sucks that this is going away because it will end up hurting a few games. I feel. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that eventually it would start hurting X, formerly known as Twitter, but still waiting for that day to come because it seems like everything is fine and that there are no issues with Elon Musk continually driving a company into the ground. Speaking of driving companies into the ground, though, uh, actually, uh, that <laughs> that's the end of the joke. Pause for applause. Um, that they. <laughs> studio head um, says that Blizzard's job is to satisfy impatient people who want new stuff every day, every hour. Sounding a little uh, sad that uh, all all he has is the seventy billion dollars from from Microsoft and a bunch of impatient fans. So what what is what is the context of this? What, what are we? It's currently the weekend, and he's um not very happy. Yeah, it was just a quote from an interview, and. I don't know, it sounds a little derogatory of the player base to say people have no patience and we need to keep, uh, they keep, uh, we, we have to keep churning out content so that they're happy every day, every hour. This kind of goes into the, like, their work culture because later on he's also quoted as saying he wants to make sure that if people spend a dollar or even, like, a dime in a Blizzard game, they want, they want those players to feel a massive sense of, sense of satisfaction from that purchase. So interesting. They're, so they're, he's they're always striving to have that blizzard quality to their um to <laughs> anything that they're putting out. Now um, it's talking about derogatory statements. <laughs> <laughs> and in part of that, like their new stuff every day approach, we got World of Warcraft announcing their next three expansions ahead of time. Updates to Diablo Four, updates to Overwatch Two and Hearthstone, updates to Diablo Immortal as well, and Warcraft Rumble. And a new survival game that's unnamed and on its way. Uh, they're just everything in the kitchen sink at all of their games to make sure that you spend all your time and money in their games. You know what? You know what's really funny in in like a cosmic sense uh, to to me with this. Blizzard is bitching about how fans are impatient. Fans were the most impatient for the PVE mode of Overwatch Two, which people literally dropped uh-huh. money money and therefore i guess satisfaction to get that were then told hey it's not coming and if they were told hey it's not coming in favor of content because fans are impatient then that's just hilarious to me yeah it's grim um there's no other way of putting it yeah 
I don't know. I I look at... Okay, admittedly, Diablo seems to be a bit of a blip on that one. It seems like people are still enjoying... I, I don't know what the player base is like, but it seems like Diablo 4 went over fairly well and is, is still going strong. But um, so many of the other parts of it, it's like, man, uh, don't you just hate it when people really want to play your games? And you're like, yeah, don't you just hate it when the games that people really want to play are the ones that you fucking axe? <laughs> <laughs> I think with Overwatch 2 as well, specifically, someone was like going, here's a content pack that you can buy, and it's more expensive than just buying Overwatch 1 outright when it released. It's all of that sort of shit. And it's like, yeah, no, you, you dropped more money than Overwatch 1. We, made it, we want to make sure that it's a satisfactory experience. <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I, uh, I don't know. As, as someone who is kind of around tech on like a daily basis, I can kind of see where the studio head's coming from, but it also does just sound a little bit woe is us that you have so much brand rep that is Blizzard and you feel like you're in the, you, you feel like you're in a corner where you need to announce all this stuff because people want you to announce it. Whereas it seems like outside of Diablo, everything that's been announced has kind of just turned to shit. Unless I'm wrong, but as someone hey, that that has a not deep understanding, but like an understanding enough of the Farm Fantasy 14 community, I see where he's coming from. But also, that's like a vocal minority, and um, the 14 developers actively say, "Hey, once once you're done with the content, you can take a break. You can do something else. You don't have to spend your entire right, life on Farm Fantasy 14." The, the, I, game, I guess... the game will always be here and we will we, we have these content drops planned out so you can come back for those when when they're ready. I I I think I need to, to restate the position a little bit. I, I think it's I think it's laughable because Blizzard has already won in this situation. They're they're saying people want to play their games so badly that they can't wait for the next release. So therefore regardless of when their next release is, they already have so many fans that will come and play it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's literally the perfect position to be in. And so it's weird to be like, I guess we give in to the people that really want to play our games by announcing stuff early and just setting ourselves up for failure versus, as you say, the Final Fantasy fourteen approach of, if you really like our stuff, then cool, we have stuff on the way, and then it comes out and then people play it. Instead, it's this weird, like, money grinding machine of, how do we extract everything we can out of every supposed fan we have and then com- and then wonder why they complain about like content quality and things i don't know it it's, 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 it seems it, it seems like a backwards argument to me it is it it, it definitely feels like the well i'm not sure if it's the ceo of whoever's talking to the ceo it's of blizzard isn't more of one of those hey the people on twitter are yelling at us oh we have to help them and like it's probably like a very vocal very minority and they're just sort of listening to them because they're screaming the loudest. Uh, I'm I, sorry, Steve, what, what's wrong with minorities? Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost, you almost got me baited. You almost got me cancelled. Finish your point, though. It was, it was, it was too, I'm so sorry. It was too easy. But um, where, where, where were you going with it? No, I'm just saying it seems like they're, uh, it seems like they're listening to people on Twitter that are like complaining about the game as opposed yeah. to collecting valuable feedback from, I don't know whether the streamers, the community, it just seems like people are whinging on Twitter and like, yeah, cool. This guy with a hundred thousand followers, he's having a cry and he's got 200 
likes on his thing. Let, let's solve his problem. Uh, but like nobody, everyone else is like just not really talking about it. So it sort of it might feel like you have to do a lot more than what you should, but you don't have to. Like, I, maybe this is a sign to see Yoda go outside. Maybe. Maybe Twitter's um, not a good to, thing. To be fair, I'm I'm pretty sure in the context of this interview, at least, uh, it is a studio head, so not not quite the CEO. Okay, okay sorry. Um, um, but I mean, like all, all the points are still valid, and I I think it's interesting, especially with that we want people to be satisfied with with a purchase of a dollar or a dime. When, uh, particularly in Diablo Immortal's case, the monetization strategy is literally that the only way to continue playing is to put in a dollar or a dime. That yeah that becomes a very regressive. Uh, are you satisfied with having to purchase to continue playing uh, mentality? Which, again, I laugh. And I'm not laughing necessarily at the studio head because I feel like those decisions aren't necessarily made by the studio head. But it's just funny in the context of all of the shit that we've been talking about with Blizzard for ages. And then someone within Blizzard going, hey, it's kind of unfair that we're copying all this flack for all the shit that we do. And it's like, well, gee, stop doing all the shit and then we won't have to give you as much flack. <laughs> But hey, at least Bobby Kotick gets this nice couple hundred mil after the merger. Yeah. Oh, I hate being alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> moving Bobby on, Kotick, moving Bobby on. Bobby Kotick yeah. brought up, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, full disclosure, I was going to make fun of a man's appearance for this, for this next segue. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, instead, all I, uh, well, uh, so the article is about one of Embrace's executives resigning and announces their own gaming company. Uh, what I wanted to latch on to uh, is that uh, this, this article from PC Gamer uh, features a, a picture of one Egel um, Strunk. No idea if I'm saying that correctly or not, but if you, if you picture who, what you think uh, one Egel Strunk looks like, uh, that, that's the image. <laughs> It's just, it's, I, I look at that man and I go, yeah, he looks like an Egelstrunk to me. Very, um, very, very rectangular face and very white. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. a sharp jawline, yeah. though. It is. Yeah. He, he do be having a jawline. Uh, probably from the Netherlands or something. Very possible. I think Embracer uh, is Swedish. Yeah. Just next door. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Continue the story. Uh, I, I don't actually know where the story goes. I, I can take over because I did read this a little bit before. Sure. Yeah, so um, Mr. Strunk here, uh, he announces departure from- <laughs> Mr. Strunk is my, pa- my father, please. It's Egg. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. He, Professor Strunk. He announces departure from uh, Embracer back in June, so this isn't like big news that he's leaving. Uh, they already have his replacement in place at the company, but he's just left this week while also announcing that he's opening his own company called uh, Strunk Games. Uh, which yeah. aims to support and be involved in some of the most interesting gaming studios, companies, and projects around the globe as the games industry continues its constant change. So he is leaving Embracer while they're in turmoil from uh, absorbing too many companies and seems to be opening up his own shell company that will just absorb other companies <laughs> itself. I can't believe they're going to buy and destroy Volition again. Oh, man. It, don't don't do that to that in. poor devs. <laughs> Uh, yeah, now, now I'm sad twice. <laughs> Thanks, me. Yeah, uh, you've basically summed up the whole article. Um, it seems, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I am very skeptical of someone involved in a high-level decision-making at Embracer and how much that's turned to shit to then be like, you know what the problem was when I made decisions at Embracer? 
the fact it was called Embracer. <laughs> hey, they, they did what they said they were going to do. They embraced all of the small companies. And they embraced a couple of them a bit too hard, and uh, they 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 didn't make it. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I'm I'm never a fan of these weird big. Let's just absorb a bunch of shit, and it seems like that's the only thing that this person knows how to do. So we'll see what happens. I guess maybe maybe Ubisoft gets bought up and has to change its name to Strunksoft or Ubisunk. That sounds cool. Probably comes out with cool names. Uh, anything more to say about that, or do we move on? Yeah, we can move on. Steve, can we move on? Of course. I need, I, need your, I need your explanation. You know what? Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't care about Seth's opinion. Uh, <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Just catching strays out here. Um, next up, we What did have, I ever do? Uh, <laughs> it's what you didn't do, Seth. <laughs> you know what? I, I said it and I was fully expecting that to be the response. <laughs> Uh, actually, you know what? I take all of that back because I just thought back to listening to last week's episode when um, when Steve asked you point blank who your favorite four podcast hosts are, and then you said my name four times. <laughs> uh, anyway, See, I supported you while you weren't here. Yeah, you, you did. <laughs> and this uh, is the and, thanks and I receive. Again, that's promo code. <laughs> Stop bringing uh, that up. I have to get a branded one. <laughs> like like a razor one with LEDs. Anyway, um, Xbox's Phil Spencer uh, considers PS5 and Nintendo Switch players part of the Xbox community, which is funny because the Xbox community is the smallest of both PS5 and Nintendo Switch. <laughs> well, if you can't beat them, then absorb them. It's, it's true. Yeah. That's even even if you didn't think you were being ironically Microsoft's brand motto. <laughs> He also goes on to say systems like the ROG Ally and Steam Deck be- uh, are also part of the Xbox community. He is literally saying these things because Xbox games have released on those consoles, and now that they own Activision Blizzard, uh, they're, they're backtracking it and going, you know, Call of Duty, Overwatch, Diablo, and World of Warcraft are on PlayStation. Uh, that, that makes them part of our community too. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Is it wrong? I don't yeah. think it's wrong. It's not correct, it's, because if it is, where's weird. my Game Pass on PlayStation? Hey, now Talk it, to Phil now. Spencer's replacement. We both know that if, uh, if Daddy Phil had his way, everything would have Game Pass. Fridges, my boss at work. Like, if he had his way, it's, it's everybody else that's the problem. If he had his way, um, Xbox would have bought Nintendo, right? Yeah, that, that was like one of his lasting. Like I see that I I, I he wants would that see to be this his like a highlight of my career. At Xbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Imagine if he did, but we might get Mario Wonder, but it's um the Master Chief. But Super Master Chief I Wonder. To, I need to think about that for a bit. Halo Wonder, huh? Or is it Super Master Chief one? Anyway, um, yeah, I, I again don't really have a whole lot to talk through on this one. Just um. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, it's a weird thing. Ten. It's a it, it, yeah, it's a weird thing for him to say. Um, but it might be interesting as a uh, this is what like Xbox is thinking. It's like, oh yeah, as long as we can sort of get our tentacles inside of something, it becomes us. Um, so we won't have to acquire things if we've already got other big acquisitions. Spider Man Two just came out and is about Venom, and now Xbox is acting like they're the symbiotes. It's all connected. <laughs> Finally, the the extended universe that we all wanted. Finally, the XEU. We're going to make it. Anyway, I'm done. Cool. Uh, speaking of making things, 
uh, Xbox would like AI to help uh, making games in the future. And devs aren't too happy about that. Lazy devs. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is devs wanting to be more active and being upset that AI is replacing them to make them lazy. Well, um, yeah, right, that's fair. Well, walk us through it. I, I think I understand. Like, they're not just doing it to do all the writing and stuff. They're trying to think about it to do all the dumb coding stuff that they usually outsource to third world countries anyway, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to split. So the, this article is talking about a partnership that has been announced with a company called InWorld AI, which, uh, well, as they say, to empower game creators with the potential of generative AI. Um, and they highlight things like AI character runtime engine for basically just sort of like on the fly generate. Th- think of like ChatGPT feeding you the story as as you play through. So in one sense, you got a lot, you, you have a lot more freedom, and and that's kind of cool. It's not as as my reading of this. It's it's not the idea of helping just build the game where like you have an AI to help you write the code for the game. This is taking on a much larger role of we want to fundamentally change how the game is is made and enjoyed with the help of AI rather than we want to speed the process of making the game that we were going to make um, by using AI in parts of the process. It, it's it's quite it's kind of hard to to distinguish because there's probably some tangled mess of what the actual truth is somewhere in there. But, but a lot of this uh, is also what SAG AFTRA went on strike against for Hollywood. Yes. And- yeah. And so it seems like the gaming community may want to do a strike themselves to stop this sort of thing from happening to their workplace too. Yeah, because the the, the main difference is that, uh, well, uh, I don't think it was so much SAG, um, whatever the Writers Guild is, um, definitely, where um, one of the stipulations is that you cannot use, you cannot train AI on what people will write in terms of scripts and things. and. Here, chances are those protections don't exist. So you could happily, well, in world, assuming that there would be, they, they would be the ones to do it, could train the AI on how games have been written for the past 20 whatever years, and then use that to then automatically generate and build new stories to tell, which not only puts what the games that would result from that in a precarious position, but you think about all the people that, like, even thinking about the, the story that we had with, with Mass Effect, right? We have a, a serious veteran for the new Deus Ex games. Um, uh, I've, I've forgotten her name. Um, De- Demarie, uh, Marcy Demarie, I think, uh, was who I said 10 minutes ago. She would probably charge Bioware a pretty penny because she's got quite a lot of back, like backing in storytelling and writing. I can see a world where Microsoft or any other company for that matter would weigh up, is it worth paying this one person this much to have a very good story versus paying AIs effectively nothing to have a good enough story? And it's that sort of thing where we just don't really have the quality controls around how we use AI yet, which makes me nervous for giving AIs such large roles in like, I mean, some of the stuff they're talking about here is crazy ambitious, right? Like there was also a, um, there was a tech demo I think a year ago or a couple of years ago of the dialogue in a game being backed by an AI such that you would speak the response and it would get parsed to text and then sent to the AI. And so the conversation you had with an NPC was therefore more dynamic. 
And it's cool as a tech demo, but it's like, what does that actually mean for the gaming experience? Because unless it's something like Scribblenauts, where you're intentionally trying to jailbreak the game for fun, I just don't know that. Well, I, I don't think any of the gaming experiences that I look back on really fondly as being heavily story driven ones are made better with the idea of dynamically injecting AI to lift characters or lift story or lift arcs uh, instead yeah, of just yeah, well written moments. Yeah, there's no way that like it could be used to replace those moments. The only way I could sort of see it working if it does add a bit more depth to dumb things like Radiant or like fetch quest type of thing, a repeatable quest. Um, but then at that point, that's like a gameplay issue with the loop. Um, then it's like, okay, I'm not going to play this, like regardless of how deep the story is, if the go out, collect five mushrooms, come back, like I don't care. But interesting. I, I say it's half interesting to see where it goes because I definitely agree with you, Pat. Well, I sort of agree. I sort of disagree. Like there are some like big gaming moments that are like narrative driven for me, like the going back to like the, like a Bioware reference, like Knights of the Old Republic 2 with that big reveal at the end. Or especially Knights of the Old Republic 1 with that big reveal as well. Uh, and those things don't think could be written by AI, but a lot of the side quests could be padded out with AI. So interesting to see where it goes. It's mm. not going to be very good for the industry, but yeah, there, and, is, and there is definitely a universe we live in where in the next couple of years, like a roguelike comes out and that's entirely AI generated. Um, because that's such a simple loop to do. It's sort of RNG. Um, you just need a shell. AI fills out the rest of it. Uh, oh, yeah. Someone's, someone, some indie developer is 100% going to just do an AI-generated roguelike at some point. Mm. Interesting to see how it goes, though. Anyway, it's, it's one of those, like, uh, are we staring down the printing press type thing of, like, yeah, we, we're, we're looking at the limitations of this technology now, but chances are it will become more and more commonplace and yes it will have fallout on people who like their their bread and butter is being in these industries affected and yeah it's going to be chance. it's going to be very hard for them to take off as well because the creatives in the industry are doing their best to uh mess with their work so they can't be sampled by ai hmm. like there's there's a lot of arts programs now that set, uh, that do something within the code of the um the save file and artwork so that on the back end AI just cannot use it as a reference and it absolutely destroys the AI um, recognition. Voice actors getting their voices uh, printed by AI are also doing their best to uh, fight against that because there's a lot of entry-level jobs in in uh, voice acting that are going to go away if AI replaces that, which means you'll only have like the big names for the big roles while background characters are all AI generated when that could have gone to someone that's trying to be up and coming. Yeah, it's, it's all that sort of thing. It's, it's something that uh, I think society is going to end up having to face one way or another because this is only going to get more... Uh, we're only going to see more of this before we see less. And so... It's going to be competitive to, for a few years. Yeah, how we choose to deal with it is, is going to be really interesting um, for all these reasons, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those, like, it is a sign of the times and chances are some good will come from some part of this, but it's whether there's enough good to justify what will probably be a lot of bad as well. Uh, mm. And that I, I don't have a good <laughs> compass or bearing of just yet. 
Yeah, I, it'll be it, interesting nonetheless. Me being from the creative side of uh, this sort of industry, I'm just like all for not having AI replace human talent. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't really have anything more to say. Yeah, let's see how we go. I am also good to move on. Cool. And uh, finally, uh, continuing with uh, AI, we have Sony Interactive Entertainment, who we just mentioned is doing a collaboration with Nintendo for the Zelda movie. Is that, did I get that the right way around, Seth? Yep. Huh. Excellent. <laughs> um, uh, entering into an agreement to acquire iSize, which specializes in deep learning for video delivery, which, hmm. I mean, this side. I didn't get how this works. This, this is basically like taking uh, lower res uh, uh, videos and up-resing them through AI. Yeah, it's basically, let, let, let me break it down for you, Steve. Um, so in six months, when Naughty Dog announces that they're going to remaster the remade, re-release remaster of Last of Us 1, if we had something like iSize, then that remaster, re-release, remaster reboot would actually be a lot faster to do because you could just get an AI to just upscale everything. And there's very little dev work involved. But this, um, this would be specifically for the um, remaster remake uh, update of the TV HBO show, not the game. <laughs> yeah, good, 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 good point, yes. <laughs> so this, they would be taking what they recorded in 4K and using AI to upscale it to 12K. Okay. What about which, part, which, which part of this aren't you getting? Uh, I've only got a 1080p TV. <laughs> um, <laughs> the human eye can only see in 30 frames. <laughs> 24 frames. I'm not wearing glasses. Hang on. If you're wearing glasses, is it 60 frames a second? Then it is cheating, you wear, yes. You wear two pairs of glasses. Um, if you're wearing basically 3D it's... glasses, it's 120 FPS. <laughs> I don't know how right you are sometimes, Seth. <laughs> um, <laughs> Basically, it's, it's, it's video optimization is, is all this is. What, Sony is. what Sony's angle is for acquiring this, I'm not quite sure because it's, uh, like as, as we say, it's, it's like video. It's not necessarily like game upscaling or anything, at least yet. So um, they're clearly running some angle. Uh, it's not mentioned in the article. Yeah, if it was Sony Pictures, I'd get yeah, exactly. where they're coming from, but this is Sony yeah. Interactive. Unless Sony yeah, Interactive yeah. has their hand in like PlayStation Studios or something, which is like the PlayStation Studios being the um production company for like the Gran Turismo movie and other things mm. coming out from that. I mean, it's possible, but then again, why wouldn't it just be the production house or the the studio that would actually do? Yeah, the that, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, maybe, maybe that yeah. part falls under Sony Interactive instead of Sony Pictures, and yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where it comes in. But I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. The only thing I can think of is if you, oh, even then it doesn't make as much sense. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, uh, this will be one of those. We'll probably hear more info later on when, when we hear about why uh, this is the case, because um, it does seem funny that in the intro uh, that, you know, all these companies going around acquiring things and then it almost feels like this is a Sony buys um, uh, Bungie thing of like Microsoft announces that they're buying Activision Blizzard. Microsoft announces that they're uh, trying to partner with an AI company, and so then Sony's like, "Oh yeah, well we'll just go buy Bungie." And then they see the AI announcement, they're like, "Oh yeah, well we'll just go buy an AI company too." Funnily <laughs> enough, I think this one actually came out before the Microsoft one. It's just it flowed better. Let me in the have this anyway. You know I can't let you have more. anything. <laughs> nothing more from me on this. Yeah, this is a weird one, and I don't know where it's going to go. 
and that that's all about the input I have on that. Like, I don't even know entirely what they're going to be using for, so I can't be mad about what jobs it's replacing. <laughs> it's replacing uh, C-suite jobs. Hurrah. I don't know what that means. Actually, you know what? I don't care what that means. Um, so it, it would be, it would be funny if, if the acquisition was to, like, replace the COO, for example. Okay, no, that would be funny. Oh, you know what? Based. Wait, does the COO salary go to the AI or the rest of the studio? AI needs to be paid. <laughs> or does it, it go to me producing the podcast? Oh, hey. I, do that. I do not think that at all. Well, regardless of what you do or don't think, um, we can all think about how this is the end of the news section for this week. No audience question for this week, uh, which means we are at the stage where we can happily tease little, little cliffhangery. <laughs> Bits for episode uh, 99. Ooh, getting close. Ooh, getting close. What do I have on the horizon? Uh, not much. I will probably be playing a bit more Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which I played a fair bit of in Japan. Went to Japan, by the way. Yeah, I um, heard you went to Japan recently. But you're interested yeah, to I, hear what you thought about that next week. Yeah, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about that next week. Um, and I'm actually also rewatching Final Space Season 2 and... Um, Probably eventually Final Space Season 3 as well. Uh, and um, most of the way through Season 2, if I finish that, uh, I, I will talk about that because I've had some feelings about it before, have some feelings now. Would be, would be uh, interesting to see what, what's, what's changed and, and what hasn't changed opinion-wise. Um, Seth, what have you got on the horizon, if anything? Honestly, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I started a little bit of Grand Turismo, but not sure if that's something worth talking about. The I'm- movie? No, no, the the game, the, the game. Oh, the, I, I didn't know that they made a uh, game based on the movie. <laughs> a game based on the movie. They Excellent. Made, they made seven. In fact, they all came out very relatively fast. Fast um, like the car. Fast like Lightning McQueen. <laughs> Speaking of, that was yeah. a new stock that I forgot to put in. Lightning McQueen's going to be in Rocket League. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> what was really funny was they. Um, I, I saw I saw a screenshot or like a um, a teaser picture from. Uh, I guess Epic. I was going to say Psionics. They don't really exist anymore. Um, so a screen, uh, a, a picture from Epic saying um, announcement coming tomorrow, and it was so clearly the Lightning McQueen like side of the car that it was like they're going to announce a collab, aren't they? <laughs> and you know what? I I I think I'm disappointed, but I I don't know. <laughs> I think this is extremely funny, and I might play Rocket League to get that. Um, <laughs> I want to read the Scott Pilgrim books before. The anime comes out, so I might do that. I might just binge through that real quickly over Ugh, the weekend. Reading, yuck. Yeah, but it's you, Western comics, camp? not Japanese comics, so you should be happy about that. No, I just mean reading in general. Reading in all forms. You're reading what's in the ingredients packet on the back of uh, on the back of chips bag. Ugh, disgusting. I need to know the nutritional value. <laughs> there is none. There, I've summed it up for you. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm kind of in flux of what I'm going to be doing because yeah, I've finished basically all of the big games I want to play for the year. So I I got to sort myself wow, out. This guy. What about what about Stephen? What are you up to? Uh, I'm actually going to Perth next week for a wedding, so I think it'll be Switch time. Uh, I, I, that's right. Don't forget, I've got Xenoblade Chronicles Three, so I might have to start playing that. Now it's time for you to play Mario Wonder and then come in next week and say how wrong I was, and it is actually the Second Coming of Christ. <laughs> no, I won't be doing that. Um, but yeah, it'll probably be Xenoblade Chronicles 3, to be honest. Still got to finish um, 13 Sentinels. And the game just sort of pales off towards the end. I think I'm just over it. 
Uh, but yeah, no, so, something will be happening. But yeah, I won't be here next week, everybody. Sorry. What a weird way to announce that. Yeah. Just dropped it on us mid-recording. Could have yeah, just sorry. not shown up next week like a real Chad, but no. Then you guys would have been like, would have just recorded the podcast and been like, hey, that was much better. Would have gone the whole way through recording and been like, was Steve here? <laughs> and, oh, I didn't laugh this whole entire episode. You couldn't have been. I kept uh, asking yeah. why, why six was afraid of seven. I got no response. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's it for me. What are you going to be up to, Pat? I, I, I literally went through this already. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, sorry. I, no, I, forgot, I forgot. As soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Here we go. He's going to chill me out now. <laughs> well, um, I actually just came back from Japan. So let me. No, um, uh, anyway, there you go. One more Japan <laughs> reference, and then I'm cutting you off. I think you get seven more Japan references. Oh, here we go. Uh, uh, just, uh, just anyway, uh, as you can tell, this is at the end of episode 98. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have enjoyed what you've listened to uh, somehow, <laughs> then um, leaving us a, a, a like, a review, a comment, a subscription, any way to increase our presence in the algorithm really helps us out. Uh, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on or, or, or YouTube or, or wherever else. Or if you're pirating, stop that. Uh, do, do, it, do it the legal way. Pirate, pirates are bad. Anyway, uh, I've, I've been Patrick. I've been joined by Seth and Steve. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Happy birthday, uh, Pat's trip to Japan. 